This show contains movie spoilers and swearing. I don't know what I'm doing here a little bit with this. He knows you know what what I mean? he's doing. <laughs> I'm sure he does, and it's fine. I'm just pushing back. It took nearly an hour for me to get set up when I recorded with Dan and Gav last time, thanks for the tech issues. Right. Don't <laughs> okay. worry about it. Well, it sounds like we can hear everybody, which is a good thing. Yeah. It's something I you know, I was a little bit worried about to start with, but it all sounds the really echo's good. Gone, so. Has it? Yeah, the echo has gone. Yeah, it's gone. Yeah, woo! Hello and welcome back to another episode of Bite Size Cinema. I'm your host RJ McCready and for this episode I'm going to be taking you guys back to year in 1987 to look at Rob Reiner's fantasy movie The Princess Bride. And today's episode is a special episode. It's kind of like, I suppose you could say, sort of a milestone in the production of my show because this is a triple the bite size episode. It's the first time I've had two other guests on the show, three being myself, so it's triple the bite size. And first of all, I'm introducing Dan Bone, who's becoming my regular host on the show. Dan, how you doing, buddy? Hey, I'm doing really well. Thanks, RJ. How are you? Yeah, I'm really excited about this episode, mate, because we've got a special guest on the episode today, haven't we? Um, we which is Kate Pollock. Kate, welcome to Bite Size Cinema. <laughs> Thanks very much for having me. I'm really excited to be here, guys. And um, yeah, I'm just so excited about um, talking about this movie with you both. Yeah. Yeah, I know, I know Kate, this is a film that you're very passionate about. Uh Um, But before we talk about the movies, just talk a little bit about yourself, Kate. So, um, I know that you're a big fan of movies in general, particularly horror, and I know Mm -hmm. that you love books, so do you just want to tell us a little bit about your love of all that sort of stuff, just to introduce yourself? Um, Sure. Uh, So, my love of movies is some... Gosh, I can't remember a time where I haven't loved movies. My uncle is a massive to do that um he didn't have any kids of his own um he didn't really want any kids of his own but he was quite happy to um sort of feed everything movie wise and pop culture wise into me and he was a big kind of b-movie horror fan and monster movies and stuff so much to my mum's chagrin (laughs) um he got me onto those kinds of things at a really young age um and we would watch things like um, like The Thing and yeah, Dress Up and um, The Blob and all this kind of stuff and Star Wars was a big thing we'd get ice cream and all we'd go to Asda it's one of and there are other stores available yeah. um, but we'd go to the <clears throat> sort of supermarket in, in England and just get one of those massive trolleys and just fill it with junk food and I'd go visit him for the week on half term <laughs> and we would just watch movies all week long um and i would come back completely hyped up again (laughs) well um it's all kind of to blame on him and that's just only sort of grown as i've i've grown up um and i i did film studies at college and i've just always had like a passion for it and 
books I guess have kind of tied in with that uh, just just general like a love of storytelling a love of adventure a love of um, just sharing experiences talking about it with other people um, and storytelling is obviously very much about that's how books originally stemmed was stories around the campfire and things so um, all of that just it's just my absolute passion and um, uh, yeah and and it's quite it's quite cool because obviously the princess bride was based on a book um, and uh, which I have read a while ago so I, I don't remember overly overly except that I really 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 enjoyed it um, but the princess bride again this was something that my uncle and I watched when I was very young um, and I just got completely swept away and I'll probably talk um, I mentioned odd bits here and there that I remember bit like my first kind of memories of this film as, as we talk about it but but yeah that's sort of a bit about me and um and my love of, of movies and books well you just described my perfect day off there Kate along the way where you just <laughs> said the blob the thing Star Wars loads of ice cream mm -hmm. um I think Dan's got the same similar sort of story you've mentioned this before where we can I think it's a touch of nostalgia because it's escapism with these films and if you just feel like getting away you can put a film like this on it it does take you to that other place doesn't it um yeah, i'll watch yeah, the, it does takes you to a good point in your life not that you're not in a good point now but it no. takes you to a point where you were much more innocent probably and yeah you know and life was just full of like kate said full of ice cream and yeah. films Simplest you know and there was nothing better Simpler times not necessarily better just simpler yeah <laughs> no, no. and i love it and i love the fact you said you like reading books as well because that is uh igniting your imagination isn't it as well yeah. um it's you know you get a good book and you, you 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 can pitch those characters in your head as well can't you do you know what i mean mm. and all what's going mm, on yeah. so it's all it's all about imagination and escapism which is great and that's why all three of us are here today isn't it you know what i mean we've all got the same passion and that's why we want to talk about these movies so and dan i know you're the same mate aren't you you said um, before i think it was your dad that introduced you to the love of horror wasn't it you and your dad watched these films yeah, it, you know, it was the thing. I think I said uh, the first proper horror movie I watched was Dad. Dad started letting me watch those Bruce Lee movies, and when he could see I could handle the kind of violence and stuff, he was like, "Do you want to watch?" Oh, he said, "You like that Big Trouble in uh, mm. Little China movie? Do you want to watch another movie with that same guy, Kurt mm. Russell?" And I was like, "Yeah, what? What is it?" And he said, "It's a bit scary, mind." <laughs> and obviously, it was the thing, and yeah. I was blown away by it. I was like, "How?" Because obviously the effects are so good even yeah. now, but as a like probably a twelve-year-old, I was like, "What the hell is this?" Mm. Ah! It's, I was fascinated. It's funny, Dan, you say Lay Pan because I felt like Lay Pan five minutes ago when I was firing up Skype, Skype, and the three of us are talking. I was like, "It's working!" <laughs> <laughs> Life fan. <laughs> um, you've already got your um, you've already got your John Carpenter. Uh, so for those of you listening and playing along with the uh, drinking game, that yeah, is uh, take a shot every time RJ manages to sneak in a John Carpenter reference. There's been two or three already, so there you go. You add one for me, Ben. Anytime I make a Buffy reference. Oh no, I just can't. Um, can't help I myself. almost made one, but I was like, no, we're two minutes in. Let's give let's give him a chance. <laughs> <laughs> Buffy was also a, a big thing for my, my childhood. My my uncle got, um, would watch with me yeah so, but I, I refrained I think it's very big of me it shows personal growth I feel oh yeah absolutely yeah that's right absolutely um, <laughs> so let's have a ch quick chat about what we've been watching guys so Dan what you've been watching mate I think you put on was it a Delta Force part 2 or something like that the other day he's watching well you know I had a bit of a man fest yesterday I, I had, I'm getting my bathroom renovated at the moment so oh, the yeah. upstairs of my house is out of order it was uh -huh. raining outside the wife was out 
so for my next episode, here's a little plug. For my next episode of the podcast on Haunted Hill, mm-hmm. we're covering um, John Carpenter, wow. funny enough. Mm-hmm. And uh, so yesterday I watched Delta Force 2, followed by uh, Escape from New York, then Escape from L.A. And then I rounded up the day with uh, Bloodsport, cool. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> oh, dear. So you were having a bit of a day, weren't you, down there? Aren't you? Yeah, it was a bit of a blokey day. Yeah. yeah, I was feeling quite Chuck Norrissy by the end of the day. I wanted to go outside <laughs> and sort of pick a fight. Like, Come on, I must avenge you, somebody. I don't know who. I don't know. But, I think uh, it's safe to say you and your man beard were having a fabulous time that day, weren't they? Eh? My Chuck Norris beard. I'll tell you what, though, there, there is one movie I would like to talk to you about, which you probably saw me, I think we yeah. chatted online about, <clears throat> which I watched from 2019. Mm-hmm. And it's a horror movie that I was actually really blown away by. Yeah. It's called The, Sh- the Shed. Oh, um, yeah. A simple name. But I swear, honestly, this movie mm. came out of nowhere for me. I I'd put it on my watch list and I just came around i thought oh, i'll watch this tonight actually and it's like a, a proper 80s throwback it you can't tell it might even be set in the 80s because there's not yeah. really any mobile phones and stuff but it's like what would happen if um fright night um lost boys bit of christine Ooh, and a couple of other of those sort of movies got together <laughs> it is phenomenal and i cannot recommend it enough the shed it's just <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> those words. That's, sorry, Kay. I was just going to say those words right there are giving me a tingling feeling in a very personal place when you say all that. <laughs> you're, I think you would love it, guys. Both of you being into the movies that I know you're both into yeah. and loving that sort of 80s nostalgia, I really honestly think you would love this film. Whoa. I really, and I recommend that to all your listeners, RJ. If you haven't already seen it, please check out The Shed. Did, uh, yeah. It is phenomenal. I did check you know. out the trailer, mate, on that, and I was very impressed with it. And like you say, yeah, I'm looking forward to having a look at that. Um, Kate, yeah. uh, what have you been watching? Uh, you been watching anything or reading yeah, anything? Yeah, no, I've, um, so for another Legion show, oh uh, no, not Legion anymore, actually, um, but uh, for another sort of show, there's a whole series going on about, um, uh, about the year 2000. So I've been catching up with like a lot of oh, movies yeah. that I've seen for a while or I just haven't seen at all um, for that it's just sort of like a watch long I don't I'm not talking about it or anything but as I oh, say no. I watch along yeah so, so Mr Duncan McLeish isn't it on the podcast uh, under the stairs that's, that's right, right. Yeah, I'm not sure if I can like say other podcasts oh, of course you can yeah yeah you're all, uh, all for yeah, shouting so, out of yeah. shows yeah podcast under the stairs yeah. um, is a show that I listen a lot to um, and there's this whole thing where they all run through essentially a top 100 of a decade so the 10 10 movies per year yeah um and um from that sort of choose the best ones and so i've been so recently um i rewatched frailty uh, which right. i hadn't seen for a little while uh it's such a great great film um and then some new ones that i just hadn't seen at all was the original um uh the grudge the uh, g1 the grudge yeah oh yeah yeah um and also uh, I had never seen, and Dan, actually, in fact, RJ as well, you, you know a bit about this, I think. Um, I watched for the first time, which if anyone knows me, is mm. a bit of a big deal, House of a Thousand Corpses. Oh, oh wow. Yeah, right. okay. um, <laughs> I've never watched it. If, for those who don't know, mm. the majority of my life, up until only about a year or two ago, um, I've had a crippling, crippling phobia of clowns. Mm. Um, but the last couple of years, maybe, 
because I wanted to watch the new It at the cinema, yeah. uh, which Dan, the second one, I was able to get for the second one, and Dan very nicely accompanied me, and we had a great time. That was good. Um, but yeah, I took some hypnotherapy, and I just, I just put it to bed because I was, it was just getting to a point, especially being with being a horror fan, that I just, I, it, this is getting silly now. Yeah. So um, I did what I could, and it seems to be working because I got through that film, and I really enjoyed it. <laughs> oh, I'm glad you enjoyed it. It's, it's a good one. It's probably my favourite Rob Zombie movie, mm. really, out of all of them. Um, it's a fantastic film. Uh, yeah. Really, real good throwback. Well, that's a bit of a seventies throwback, really. That one, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, very kind of grimy Texas Chainsaw vibes, hundred mm-hmm. percent. Um, and I knew, sort of, going in that that was what it was going to be. Like, I wasn't completely ignorant of the film. I just, I hadn't gotten the guts to watch it myself. But now I've watched that. So I've, the only. I haven't seen any other uh, Rob Zombie movies apart from his Halloween movies, um, which I I know people get a lot of hate, but I don't actually mind them too much. Um, But yeah, now I'm going to be going through and watching Devil's Rejects and all that kind of stuff um, that I haven't really Mm. worried about watching before. So that's that's kind of fun. So yeah, so I've just been doing a a few bits and bobs like that um, and things um, and obviously watching movies. But I'm I'm a mum and and I'm a key worker. and I haven't had, I don't get a lot of time to watch as many movies as I would ideally like, but I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting getting a few in. <laughs> Quickly, nice uh, one. goddamn Captain Spaulding. <laughs> Just throw that one in there. <laughs> um, don't let the dog hit you in the ass on the way out. Oh my God. Oh that. my God. Yeah. He, actually made, he actually did make me laugh. A clown that actually made mm, me laugh. Well, the thing is, this is what's good about horror movies, which we said before, is that the bad guys. You can have a little, I don't want to say sympathy, what's the word I'm looking for, but you kind of want to have a little bit of likability about them, which makes it work. Yeah. It's the same with yeah. uh, Freddy Krueger. You know, the guy's a murderer, but he had this thing where he become like a bit of an anti-hero in the 80s. And I think we mentioned this before, Dan, haven't we, with like Jerry Dandridge from uh, Friday Night, where yep. if you can sort of, there's a little bit of likability about the bad guys, which kind of makes the movie work in a way. And I think Captain Spaulding is one of those guys. So, and someone, um, someone yeah, like Norman Bates as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. I want to push mm. it even further. You actually yeah. feel genuinely sorry for him, and you yeah. kind of want Norman Bates to get away with it. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And that's weird that in a horror movie you can be yep. tricked to be pushed that far. That you're like, oh come on, Norman, you can do this. I'm sure you can change. Yeah. But Hey, yeah. Let's be honest. Yeah. Well, yeah. This is it. That's exactly it. It's a really good topic. It's the same with uh, when we were talking about the Lost Boys, wasn't it? Um, mm. With Kiefer Sutherland's character, you know, what I mean, so cool. You're almost kind of rooting for him in a funny sort of way. You're not, yeah, but it's okay. just you're sort of on the fence. But um, yeah, so uh, I think villains, you have. I think you can. I think the best villains are the ones where they're meaty. Do you know what I mean? Like they're not necessarily like got loads of backstory or anything, mm. but they're just. They, they, they're more than just a two-dimensional character. Um, I think those ones are the ones that work best because you can kind of, no pun intended, sort of sink your teeth into them a little bit um, and, and find something that, yeah, is either likeable or relatable or funny or endearing or something. Yeah. Um, because no one, I don't think anyone, like even the worst people of the worst, they're not all evil. There are good aspects of them. They might be a family man. They might, you know, have had just had a really horrible childhood or something. And so I think like those are the ones that we kind of relate to best because they're more true to life because no one's just black or white so no that's right it's the same with what you're going to talk about in your next episode dan i won't go into this too much mate but it's like snake pliskin um he's the bad guy 
you know, but he's an anti-hero. Yeah. But when you look at his backstory, he's kind of been fucked over by the government, and he's just had enough. Yep. And and at the end of the day, he's, he's a guy that they all root for because they've you know kind of screwed him over, and now they want his help. So I always, I love that. I love that. I love the outlaws. He's uh, he's very stuff. much um, a cowboy, isn't he? He's very yes. much that kind of yeah. Clint Eastwood. Yeah. Um, no one really knows much about them. They roll into town. They're a bit mm-hmm. of a bit of a badass, but they're also a bit of a bit of a dick really you know um i even watched even in escape from la there's a point where the bit where he throws the can in the air and says when this can lands on the ground that's when we can start shooting when it's in the air he just kills everybody and yeah like, that's wow, it, yeah. it's just terrible really yeah but it is yeah, love yeah. Him because very, he's a badass very 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 crafty <laughs> very crafty tactics there you um, really have a respect for it so I'm going to quickly chuck one in there, guys. That's something I watched this week, which was on Shudder, uh, which was In Search of Darkness, which is oh, a... fantastic. Oh, I've been hearing a lot. Of... Yeah. I haven't got around to it. Um, while the summer series is going on, I kind of have to park most oh, yeah. things. Um, uh, but, uh, but yeah, I've heard really good things. I was quite surprised, actually, because it's a horror documentary. Some, some are good, some are not. This one's four hours long. I thought, oh, my God, it's four hours long. Wow. You know, but... It's so good you don't realise it is on for that long and there's loads of interviews from uh, Tom Atkins, Alex Windsor, oh, nice. Joe Dante, the late uh, Stuart Gordon who yeah. did Reanimator. So he, he has some really good stuff on there. It's just very retro. It's produced very well. So um, I don't know if you guys, have you guys watched it or not? Or, I don't know, Dan, did you say you watched it? Yeah, or? I've I've seen it. Um, yeah, and I, there's another one they've done, which is all about 80s science fiction and fantasy movies. I can't oh, remember wow. the name of it now, uh, but I need to check that one out. It's called something like The Colour of um, the Future or something like that. I don't know what it is, something like that. But right. you should check that out as well. I, I, I haven't seen the other one yet. But yeah, I've seen it, and the four hours flies by. Yeah, um, amazing. And you're just really taken into, like we said, that whole nostalgia thing. It's just yeah. so much fun. When, you, when it's presented to you in a four-hour slot, you realise how fucking weird and crazy 80s horror yeah, was. It's just yeah. so experimental. What yeah. the hell was going on? Other than a lot of drugs. It was, <laughs> it was mental. Yeah, and even was... if you just thrown and work on its own, do you know what I mean? Like, here's the whole thing. Could just have a four-hour documentary. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think Ghostbusters just just made on cocaine, was it, really? <laughs> oh, a lot of these movies. Right, you look back and you think, why did they come up with that, then? You know, we said this, RJ, when we talked about um, the Goonies, at what point in the writing process did they say, so the fat kid's going to team up with a really strong def- facially deformed giant in a Superman t-shirt, right? And yeah. everyone's like, yeah, brilliant, put that in the script. Yeah, that's yeah. it. That's the, 80, <laughs> that's the 80s for you, mate. There's, you know, loads of latex, animatronics. Everybody was having a party, and I think you said this, Dan, as well. You said it was like a rock band, wasn't it? Do you know what I mean? These guys oh, yeah. are entertaining the crowd with all these things. Do you know what I mean? It's a cocktail of animatronics, good story writing, atmosphere, good guys, bad guys, and I think that's why we're still dicking back at these movies. Yeah, I agree. Just blueprints, man. Yeah. But um, so there you go, guys. So uh, shall we have a look at this movie then? Shall we have a look at Princess mm. Bride? Yeah. <laughs> okay, then, guys. Right, let's do it. So let's um, let's go to the uh, was it the city of Florin, the uh, yep. fabled city. Yeah. Let's get on the ship. Let's play you guys a trailer, and we will see you soon. <coughs> I brought you a special present. What is it? A book. This is a special book. It was the book my father used to read to me when I was sick, and I used to read it to your father. And today, I'm going to read it to you. 
I'll try and stay awake. Wesley had no money for marriage, so he packed his few belongings and left the farm to seek his fortune across the sea. The law of the land gave Humperdinck the right to choose his bride. The fabric will make the prince suspect the Gildarians have abducted his love. I never say anything about killing anyone. I just happened to look behind us and something is there. He's obviously seen us with the princess and let's therefore die. Pick up one of those rocks, get behind the boulder. The minute his head is in view, hit it with the rock! I was not a sportsman that. I've got my country's 500th anniversary to plan, my wedding to arrange, my wife to murder. I'm swapped. Grandpa, what did you read me this thing for? Well, who says life is fair? Where is that written? Fencing, fighting, chases, escapes, giants, monsters, torture, revenge, true love, miracles. Look, I'm retired. I might kill whoever you want to meet the miracle. He's already dead. I'll take a look. Bring him in. And welcome back, guys. So the synopsis for this film is, whilst homesick in bed, a young boy's grandfather reads him the story of a farm boy turned pirate who encounters numerous obstacles, enemies and allies in his quest to be reunited with his love. It came out in 1987, it's a PG, and it's got a runtime of 98 minutes. So, um, Kate, because you love this yeah. movie, do you want to start us off? Uh, first thing I'm going to ask you is, when, when did you first watch this film? I can't remember mm. when I first watched this film. I think I must have been about six or seven, something maybe... Um, it was, it, it was made the, it came out the year before I was born. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't one of those ones where I went to the cinema or couldn't wait for it to come out on VHS or anything yeah. like that. I was, I think I probably started watching it when it was in like the height of its sort of renaissance, because I know that when it was first released, it, it made, it was made fine money, it made money back and a, yeah. and a little bit extra, but it wasn't like the hit that they thought it was going to be. Apparently it came out the same weekend as Fatal Attraction. Mm-hmm. Um, which was obviously like a massive success. And I think the marketing for The Princess Bride had a bit of an issue um, with how to market it because it's like, is it an adventure? Is it an adult movie? Is it a kid's movie? Is it a comedy? Is it a romance? And so as a result, it kind of just sort of slipped off the radar for a lot of people. And it, this was like obviously before the internet or anything like that. But then when it got released on VHS, it was it took uh, one of the interviews that I saw with Carrie Alwes, he said that it was around sort of the 10 year mark later that he started to notice that there was this buzz about it again and, and through word of mouth and people buying it for their relatives, things like that, um, it, it got more and more and more successful and became like this kind of very much talked about movie. So I think it must have been around then that I I would have got onto it and my uncle had the VHS and um, and I, I don't know, I just always remember it being a part of part of my life and my childhood. So um, I don't really have a, a specific answer for that. I guess just, you know, 
forever. <laughs> but it came into your life and it stayed with you now, hasn't it? It's made that impression. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah. yes, I'm just going to say um, you're, you're very much right. Now, I saw an interview on someone talking about this film as well. Now, in 1987, you didn't have social media like we do now or the mm. advertising. And you only had, like, I had my sort of small circle of friends which spoke about other movies such as Never Ending Story, Labyrinth mm-hmm. and all those sorts of movies. Now, the thing is, a Princess Bride could easily escape somewhere else. Do you know what I mean? Because you just said, 1987, Dan, you'll probably agree with me on this. Look at all the other films that came out at that time. The Lost Boys, The Gate. It was one of the best years for cinema, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. So you, you know. think you think of all the other films that came out. This film didn't do too bad, making 30 million on I think a six, sixteen million dollar budget. So that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, and then uh, all I will say here is that I remember the VHS store. I think you do as well, Dan. And they, yep. I think they marketed these films even better than they did at the cinema. Um, yeah. Because I used to go, I went into the VHS store. Now, if this I remember this film coming out, and the Princess Bride was all over the place. Posters everywhere, and yep. it was a really good poster. And I thought that's, yeah, you know, it's magical, it's amazing. I was completely sold. And I think that's why these films did a lot better on VHS than they did at the cinema. Do you know what I mean? Because people were seeing, you know, walking past these shops and going in, and it was easy to go and rent and stuff like that. Um, yeah. But, but Dan, uh, when do you remember this film, mate? Because I know this is a big, this is a big movie for you, isn't it? I know it's a film that you adore. Yeah, it's uh, it's actually my number one film, my favourite film of all time. Mm. Um, which is strange because I'm a horror fan. But, oh, I um, <laughs> Yeah, it's like totally like, it, and part of that is it's it's my family's like favourite film my family are very into film as you can probably imagine and Sundays quite often were about us renting a movie or two and sitting as a family together and watching it and I remember once my mum just took a chance um, she popped out to get something in the shop the local shop also rented videos and she came back with this and I initially felt the same as Fred Savage when she came to me with a said oh I've rented this I was probably about 10 yeah and I she said I've got this this the princess bride and I thought that sounds like a girl's film, mm-hmm. you know, when you're 10. And I just thought, I'm probably not going to enjoy this. Mm-hmm. But we sat down as a family and all absolutely loved it. Yeah. I think we watched it again that weekend and became something we rented very regularly until I think my dad or somebody bought it from the old Woolworths back in the day. Um, yeah, good old Woolworths. <laughs> good old Woolworths. And honestly, just has become, we, we quote this all day long mm-hmm. to each other, me and my family. Yeah. And... I probably would uh, watch this film an average of about three times a year. Wow. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I just cannot get enough of it. I've been known to finish the movie and put it back on again. I, I've been known to watch it and not say anything. I've been known to watch it with people and we all take it in terms of quote in, you know, in time with what's been said. Mm. I can do so much with this film. There's so much to it. And it's that story within a story as well. The wraparound with the grandson. And then Kate, you mentioned the book. I only really um, bought the book about, what, about five years ago and read it. And the book is slightly different because it's told as a straight story. There's no wraparound, but, but the book's great as well. But what a clever idea to do, a story that's been told to a sick grandson by his grandfather it there's just so many levels and elements and ultimately and i am going on a bit but this is the last thing ultimately no, this on, film is just a huge amount of fun it's it, it's really funny as well and everybody in it brings that absolute a game rob mm. reiner included everybody brings absolutely everything to the table 
Mm. And that's that's it. I love it. Ten out of ten for me. Yeah, Ooh, love it. Oh, I, uh, I I get that, Dan. Sorry, Kate. Um, sorry, can you okay. carry on, Kate? I literally was just saying I totally agree with what Dan was saying. That was that was it. Oh yeah, no. <laughs> I, I was going to say I I I get it even more now as an adult. Uh, this film in 2020 because I watched it obviously for the show with my daughter. Uh, Megan and she 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 hadn't seen this film before and I was watching it, I was thinking oh my god this is so funny it's so well written uh, I know we're going to get into this later on but it's when an, e- an ego um, is talking on the ship and the dude who says inconceivable a lot um, he's saying there's no way anybody's following us absolutely not and then he goes going yeah okay and he goes no way absolutely not and then he goes but why do you ask? And Nico goes, well, it's just that I look behind me and there's a ship following us. And I'm just thinking, that's like just yeah. hilarious. Do you know what I mean? And then he says, uh, he says, I wonder if he's using the same wind as us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just think with this film, what's so wonderful is how you get different things with, depending on how old you are. Like yes. as a kid, you, yeah. you, you take yeah. on with the adventure and you get the jokes some bit. Mm. But then as an the adult, you get yeah. all the other layers that come with it. And this is why I think it's so timeless and why I can enjoy it as a seven-year-old and enjoy it as a 32 year old my uncle can enjoy it in his 60s you know yeah. it's um it's just completely timeless and yeah. that humor the, the the jokes that they say um and the the timing of it all again is just totally classic it's not for of a time or of a particular you know person like you know, everyone can get it it's so inclusive and so yeah. accessible um i think that that is sort of like the magic of it it's just how it's just so so timeless yeah it's like when uh inigo goes well you know it's not a lot of money for revenge you know just stuff like that do you know what i mean i was just kind of yeah. get that now do you know what i mean it's just like it's little just things so like well that written, isn't it? yeah so and a lot of it was ad-libbed as well mm, like you know the, anybody want a peanut that yeah. was like on the day um and stuff and that's just like one of the most classic lines that's actually one of my favorite lines and i don't know why but i just it just cracks me up and i'll say it as well like if i've got i'm like sharing regardless of whether it's peanuts or not it's a popcorn like anybody want a peanut yeah that's um, it yeah <laughs> but that's 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 the magic of these films isn't it because they connect with you in those sort of ways and you can use those on a day-to-day basis some people might not understand what you're saying but then all of a sudden someone might do you know what I mean? Out of the crowd, someone goes, "Oh yeah, you watch Princess Bride." You go, "Hey, there goes a Princess Bride fan right there," uh, which is cool. Um, so the other thing you mentioned quickly here, we've got the director for this film, which is Rob Reiner. Um, so he's been involved with other films, hasn't he? I think the film that you reviewed recently was it um, Misery, wasn't it, Dan? I think yeah, he did, yeah, the he did a Rob that, Reiner then. special. Uh, yeah. We did um, Misery and Stand By Me, because both movies, movies. Bloody, yeah. he, mm-hmm. he directed both of those. So I'm a big fan of Rob Reiner. He's done mm. some strange choices here and there. Like, you know, he's made those sort of quite meaty horror movies, if you want to call them horror, I guess you, you could, um, especially Misery. And then he's done, like, The Princess Bride, but then he's made, like, almost rom-coms, mm-hmm. a couple of comedies. He's quite a diverse director, isn't he? Yeah, mm-hmm. Harry met Sally, he did, didn't he, uh, with Billy mm. Crystal, who's actually in this movie, and he did This Is Spinal Tap, which is um, obviously sort of like a sort of comedy movie. Um, yeah. And then you've also got the writer here, who is the guy who actually, I think the guy who wrote the book, William Goldman, That's actually right. did the screenplay, didn't he, to this movie? Yeah, he did. There was a whole thing with it being in like pre-production hell, and it was supposed to be this unfilmable book, and yeah. it was, and in the end, um, it was up for sale, and he saw, he bought it back, he bought back his rights, and he was just like, I'm not, I, he just felt so disheartened by it just all these projects and all these directors being attached to it just falling through and falling through um and then i think um it was uh i don't know um what was it one of you guys probably be able to tell me um but 
it was when it like Rob Reiner sort of I think he contacted him um, mm. and he sort of when he picked it up and the, I think initially he was a little bit um, sort of unsure because obviously all the problems that he'd had but I think like Rob Reiner just basically sort of told him like if you can write script and we'll work it together and things and then because where Rob Reiner I think by that point was fairly established yeah um, I think it was kind of one of those situations where it was right place right time you know yeah well that happened a lot in the 70s there's a lot of uh, good films that we got in the 80s which were sat on the shelf uh, one of those, Dan being Escape from New York, I brought that up twice yeah. now, sorry. <laughs> but that was sat on the shelf in the early 70s, uh, so it was a common thing. But uh, William Goldman, he was actually involved in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, and yeah. he did A Bridge Too Far, which is a classic war movie, and he did Marathon Man, um, which is that sort of uh, thriller movie from the 70s. Is so that uh, Dustin Hoffman? Yes, it's that one where he has his uh, bit of a spoiler here where he has his teeth pulled out. Um, yeah. Which is quite a horrible scene, but there you go. Oops. So it's um, so that's the thing with these movies. There's so many people attached to it with so many different sort of talents. And the other thing I was going to say when I watched this, I thought where it was made in the 70s, I could have seen Terry Gillenham pick this movie up as well. Director oh, yeah, Time it's Bandits. Like Baron Bunch. Yeah, Baron, yeah. So I'm thinking it'd if it was... It'd be quite a different film though, I think. I think it'd probably Ooh. be a bit, a bit darker. Oh, you would have had uh, John Cleese in here, wouldn't you, and people like that. Uh, <laughs> so it, I wouldn't take anything away from Rob Reiner, but I'm just saying you could have seen other directors. I could, certainly could have seen uh, Mel Brooks do it, the guy from Spaceballs. Well, he Space was friends with Mel Brooks, wasn't he? Mm. He was like good mates with him. Um, so he's probably definitely got a bit of influence. I do always get a Mel Brooks vibe from this film. Yep. It's got a very tongue-in-cheek. It knows it's a fairy tale, and yep. that the characters seem to know that they're in a fairy tale. Mm. Um, you know, and they all—they're used to these strange things happening and fantasy things happening. You know, Princess Buttercup. I mean, if there's a woman called Princess Buttercup, you know you're in a fairy tale. Do you know? What oh I mean? yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, this Absolutely. this this film could have been Spaceballs, couldn't it? In a sort of very, <laughs> yeah, so John Candy, Bill Pullman, possibly uh, Rick, Rick Moranis, I'm sure he was waiting for that phone call. Just a shout oh, out, inconceivable. John Candy <laughs> as, as Fezzik, the yes. giant, yeah. thinking about yeah. him. <laughs> Anybody want a peanut? Yeah. <laughs> I'm se- sending some shower curtain ring. <laughs> <Just so shy. laughs> God, you could chuck Steve Martin in there as in any go, can you? Or something like oh, that. Yeah. You know, oh, just, gosh. oh, God, we go off on these tangents, don't we? But it could have <laughs> Danny been. Danny DeVito could be, um, uh, what's his name? Um, Vincini. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That he was the original cast. He was not the original cast, but that's who William Go. Oh, no, who Rob Reiner wanted for him. Really? Um, yeah, that's who. And that's oh, like, wow. <laughs> it actually gave Wallace Shawn like a massive complex, though. Like um, during the Battle of Wits scene, he was like sweating, and it was only years later it, he was so worried that if he didn't do it like he imagined that Danny DeVito would have done, oh, right. he was going to get fired because Rob Reiner wanted Danny DeVito. Um, and he just got this whole complex about him where he just really wasn't very sure of himself, bless him. Oh, um, right. And then, but he, I think he's like spoke to. Rob Reiner and he was um, just sort of saying that he was doubting himself a little bit and Rob Reiner said no 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 you because he was like I'm not even Italian I'm like Jewish from from New York kind of thing Um, and he was like no 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 you sound exactly like the scene he sounds like you're fine kind of thing (laughs) but for the whole scene of the Battle of Wits like you can kind of see that he's sweating a bit and that was 
because he was just so nervous. Um, and yeah, um, so it's quite funny that you say that, Dan, because yeah, that was that was Rob Reiner's first choice. Amazing. The other person yeah. in this movie was going to be Arnold Schwarzenegger as well. Uh, yeah, I'd heard account. that. Yeah. But then by the time the film got made, he was too he was too big of a star. Yeah, which is kind of do understandable. Know, do you know who else was also going to be, um, who also kind of got offered the part? Oh, no, he didn't get offered the part, but he auditioned for it and it was kind of, there were talks about it. Um, go, on. go on, Kate. Liam Neeson. Oh God Almighty! Wow! But he wasn't—he was only six foot two, and he got scoffed at because he was only <laughs> six foot two. Um, yeah, <laughs> so I just—I can't imagine Liam Neeson being physical. I'm sorry. I love Liam Neeson, no, no. love him, but I, I can't imagine that. My name is Liam. <laughs> my, yeah, just say my name is yeah. Liam Neeson. You killed my father. Yeah, I don't know but... how. I don't know whether the man in black would have been able to defeat him with his special skills. <laughs> yeah. I told you, you, I will find you. <laughs> Oh my god, yeah, he would find Buttercup in a second, wouldn't he? Yeah, this is it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, yeah. Taken in the fantasy world. There you go. That's it. Yeah, no, pretty much, hey. <laughs> okay, Looking guys. Man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my oh, god, I want to. The other thing I was going to say, Say anybody guys, want a peanut like that, Dan? Say oh. anybody want a peanut? <laughs> Brilliant, Anybody man. want a peanut? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good impression, isn't it? I love your impressions, Dan. They can't oh, even quite. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, it's Oh, my God almighty. All right, well, listen, guys, shall we Shall we have a look at this movie then? Shall we? We're, yeah. we're not already having a look at this movie, but Dan, do you want to do your uh, storytelling, mate? Once upon a time, long, long time ago, all that sort of stuff, mate. Tell us about The Princess Bride. Oh, yeah. Um, um, well, as I said, we start, what I love as well is we start off with, the, we never find out the grandson and the grandfather's name, and we don't need to know, really, do we? They're just who yeah. they are, really. Um, we start off in my bedroom from the 80s, pretty much. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's got all the He-Man figures and yep. Captain America toys in the background. He's playing uh, that baseball video game. Um, and Fred Savage hasn't looked ever really looked any cuter, has he, really? How cute is that he is this? adorable. Yeah, I remember him from the Wonder Years. I think that yeah. might have been around about that time. Yeah, he's Fluffy pretty cute. Hair. Yeah. Great, great cast in there. And then you've also got his grandfather, who's Columbo, as well, and yeah. Just, just one, just one more question. Just one more question. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. He's so good in it, though. What a great grandfather role for him. Like, it's the best. I can't think of anybody else that could have done no. that, really. No. He's perfect. Yeah, he's great. Um, yeah, he's amazing. So he obviously, he comes over um, to firstly pinch the grandson's cheek, which he hates. Uh, and then he's like, I'm going to entertain you because you're off school sick. And he's like, uh... I'm going to read you this book. And much like me, when my mum brought home this video called The Princess Bride, he said, he says, this doesn't sound like it's up my alley. Is it got sports in it? Yep. And granddad's like, it's got, are you kidding? It's got fencing. And he's like, it's got fencing, pirates, revenge, true love. Da, 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 da. And at the end, he's like, true love. Mm, I'll try and stay awake. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's such sad. But what I really like is this like little dynamic that they have where, you know, you've got the grandfather and the grandson, like, de- you know, generations apart. And the grandson's giving him sass, but like, the old timer, the grandfather, he, he knows he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. He's, he gives it back. Um, and they're both quite sad. And he's like, he knows, he knows what young boys are like. You know, oh, it's all right, kind of thing. 
Um, but I love that because it kind of happens a lot all the way through and it's just this really nice additional kind of little bit that it, they don't need to put in, but it just adds to, to that. And it adds throughout the movie, actually, because we pop back to them throughout the yeah. film, don't we? And and yeah. there's bits where, like, Fred Savage will be quite stressed about something or quite bored about something or Columbo will, will reread <laughs> a bit by mistake, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, and Fred Savage is like, guessing like there's one point one of my favorite bits is where he guesses like i knew he wasn't dead and he's like yeah yeah you're very smart <laughs> yeah yeah you're very smart <laughs> yeah it's, and it's, it's so it's so natural isn't it like you know oh you would get you would sort of read reread a bit and oh no you've gone back too far granddad and and all of this and it's just as i say it doesn't it doesn't it's not like needed for, to propel the story at all in terms of those little things but mm. it just it adds so much warmth to it yeah, and the other thing is the clever thing is, like you said, Dan, is how I, I watched this when I was ten years old, and I think Dan, you said this earlier. I, I thought the Princess Bride. Am I going to like this film? Yeah. Do you know what I mean compared to the other films I was watching? So it's quite clever seeing a character on screen which you can relate to, being sort of Fred Savage there. So that's quite cool. Uh, it's pretty cool having a grandfather like Columbo as well. <laughs> Scratching his really ears. <laughs> Can we also talk about his entrance? This just kind of hey, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they love him so much. Oh, he's a fantastic actor. Uh, he's amazing, and, and and even his exit um is so oh. pulls on the strings of your heart as well. When oh, he says, "As you wish," you're like, yeah. "Oh my god, be my grandpa, please." Oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 100%. <laughs> well, we then um, we, we cut back, we cut into the fantasy world now. Yeah. So we're in uh, this place. Are we, does the whole thing take place in Florin? Does it? I've never really. Pretty much, yeah. I think, yeah. Like, yeah. It does, Florida, yeah. Like, I think so. I don't um, know if the cliffs of insanity and all that are, are directly in Florin, but. They don't really go anywhere else specifically. It's set in, if you're looking at the real term, it's set in between Sweden and Germany back in something like the 14th century, I think. Oh, wow. There's me just going into my history book there. So (laughs) So we, um, we're, so we we meet the beautiful Buttercup, um, played by, um, Robin Robin Wright, who would later go on to marry Sean Penn. Um, yeah. But hey ho, um, and she is—we never really find out why—but she sort of just owns this farm, and she's got this farm boy, uh, played by the equally beautiful Carrie Elwes. He I mean, was amazing just... in this. Sorry, Dan, you're saying you could... <laughs> what you could say is Dan got a man crush here. You're just saying that, sorry. <laughs> just saying. Well... Uh, RJ, can you look into those blues and tell me you don't? <laughs> oh, there's nothing wrong with a man crush, Kate. We've said that before. Was it, was it uh, Casey sorry, Jones? But... Is it? <laughs> I swear to God, was my sexual awakening. Yeah. In this world. Like, I swear to God. Because, oh, just as you wish, the whole... He does this thing with his eyebrows, and oh, it's, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, it's definitely not gone away. He's got eyes, eyes like the sea after a storm. Oh, <laughs> my gosh, yeah. And he does. He does. Can you imagine what their kids would be like? The most beautiful, beautiful children. Um, well, hey, hey, that, Dan, sorry, mate. He's gonna say he's, he's 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 the wingman I don't want. Do you know what I mean? Because I'm not gonna do very well. If oh, he's yeah. stood next to me, oh, just, like, let's see. I'm going home. See you later. See, I'm having no <laughs> luck here tonight. All he has to do is sit there, and women just like, <laughs> warm to him. Oh, God. And he's got the whole the whole leather the whole leather trousers and billowy shirt thing, lace. I mean, Arctic. Oh, yeah, like he needs that, man. Jeez. Okay, right, okay, so we've all agreed, we've all got a little special stir in our hearts for this guy. Yeah, sorry Robin White, I love you, but you know. 
all about Carrie, I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Okay. Sorry, Dan. Let's go back. No, no, no. It's good. I've got my Carrie L's hall pass to fancy him for one day. There you go. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So he is the farm boy on her farm, and um, as we hear from the narration, um, he, he does everything for her. You know, yeah. she's quite spoiled. You get the feeling. Um, but every time he does something for her, he says the classic words "as you wish," mm-hmm. and she soon realizes that, or after a while, realizes that "as you wish" actually means "I love you," and she realizes she loves him too. So they fall in love, and they have this amazing love thing going on but all of a sudden he's like well i need to make us some money love so i'm gonna go off and make my fortune and come back to you so off he goes and that's kind of gonna go and be a pirate (laughs) can i just say this line that i have written out here just it's just so like oh um there's a bit where she's just where she's so upset because he's going obviously um and then she says what if you don't come back or something and he goes i will always come for you this is true love do you think this happens every day oh This film is bringing out my romantic in me. And, and a bit of trivia as well oh, is that behind the scenes, mm. Robin White and Carrie Alwes actually were completely smitten with each other. Mm. Um, and apparently he said that he couldn't concentrate on much of anything after the, his first encounter with her. Wow. And on the final scene, when they did the, they do the, the greatest kiss of hit- in history or whatever, um, they, it was the last thing that they were shooting and apparently they kept making up right. fake reasons to do the take again and again and again and again and again. <laughs> brilliant yeah <laughs> love it that, that's the least uh, least bit of acting in the movie i guess is it yeah, yeah. so i'll probably pop up with little trivia bits like that i hope that's okay and what i love talking of kissing is fred savage says uh is this a kissing book this is yeah. the bit where he sort of says hang on a minute uh, <laughs> uh, yeah that's what he's saying yeah <laughs> Um, and we find straight away um, that he's been kidnapped by uh, Dread Pirate Roberts. Yeah, that's the, right. The news reaches her through some pigeon or something, I guess, back then. Yeah, um, and murdered. Yeah, and murdered. And uh, what does Fred Savage say? Kidnapped by pirates is good. He's sort of like, oh, that's good. <laughs> that's what Very you want cool. to hear as a kid, isn't it? And yeah, uh, Robert Barfollow was a real pirate as well. Dread Pirate Roberts yeah. from the Caribbean. So there you go. Yeah, so he was based on this. I remember you saying this, RJ. So this Dread Pirate Roberts is based on a real pirate, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Yeah, he was one of the most notorious pirates from the Caribbean. He's quite successful. And again, Dan, we've got a little bit of a sort of tie with our last episode being Goonies. Um, uh, pirate. I think, yeah. I think Robert Barfollow was mentioned somewhere in, in Pirates of the Caribbean. He was called like, like Black so. Bart or something. Black Sails, yeah, know. yeah, it's a game, so yeah, so he was a real dude, so there you go. Yeah, he's probably, he probably wasn't quite as good looking as uh, Gary Hill, <laughs> <laughs> I mean? I hear scurvy isn't the most attractive thing, yeah. like it doesn't really do much for your complexion. So. <laughs> so, yeah, so there you go, so. <laughs> well, five years later now, um, the princess is engaged to be married to the vampire from Fright Night. Yeah, that's it, he does it, that's it. Welcome to Fright Night for a real. <laughs> Prince Humperdinck. Um, and he announces his, his marriage to his um, kingdom. And, you know, he's, he seems all right initially, doesn't he? But we soon find out he's not a very nice guy. And who can play this kind of character better than Chris Sarandon? He oh. is just so sneezy and good at doing this, isn't he? Oh, and he's funny. Having a ball. He was having a ball in the 80s, wasn't he? 
the only person who I could think, and that's only because he plays a kind of a similar role in A Knight's Tale, which I think would just be such a good pairing with this movie, is uh, Rufus Sewell is the only other person I think who could do that oh, yeah. role. Oh, yeah. well, Chris Sarandon is just perfect. Yeah, he's having a ball, wasn't he? With Fright Night, Child's Play, um, Princess Bride. He's great. Just yeah. a great time. He was also, also in uh, Ordello of Blood uh, with Corey Haim, that, which is oh. a uh, Tales, uh, Tales from the Crypt movie. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Mm. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah. I film my mum for Sorry, I was just going to say, my Google, when I was typing up my notes um, on, on Google Docs, um, it, rec- it, it, it um, uh, spelling corrected Humperdinck, and it got it correct. Humperdinck, 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 Humperdinck. Yeah, so I, I didn't spell it with the extra C, and it and it also corrected to what it should be, which I just thought was really cool that he's like that. That name is just so in, sort of known because it's not like a usual name. It's not like Jones, is it? Um, no. <laughs> so, I feel like, <laughs> so funny. Somebody you tell your bank manager, what's your name? Humple Dink. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> My name is Buttercup Humple Dink. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That signature, like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, man. we can tell that she's not happy with this engagement. She doesn't even really look at him. He's excited to announce, you know, I'll be, I'll be marrying Prince. You know, she'll soon be Princess Buttercup. Blah blah blah. Um, and then we now meet um, our three, and I use these air quotes for this baddies, but actually two of them are quite nice. Yeah. Um, and this is Vizzini, um who we've already talked about it's inconceivable yeah. obviously andre the giant uh what an amazing role for him you know he was a wrestler but no one could have played if you need a giant get a giant and andre the giant was a giant you know what i mean yeah uh he plays fezzik um and then we've also got um mandy patinkin as inigo montea uh, you killed my father prepared to die is amazing in this as well so you've got these three guys they sort of stop um, her while she's out riding and they say oh sorry we're um, I think they say we're, we're from a local circus or travellers or something don't they mm. yeah um, could you help us is there anything around here and she's like there's nothing around here for miles and miles and he's like great then there'll be no one to hear your screams Ooh. and they <laughs> that's so great um, and they knock her out I think Fizzini literally just puts his hand on her neck and yeah. squeezes just as tiny amount until she passes out because that's how big he is um yeah, and they uh, they then pro- sort of discuss their plan, which is that they're going to be framing um, the village of Gildor or the local kingdom of Gildor for her kidnap kidnapping. So they rip a bit of fabric off of um, a good Gildor um, soldier's tunic, put it on a horse, slap the horse, and off it runs. And you know, we suddenly we we get within a few minutes we get who these three are. You know, we've got the muscle. We've got the, the steel, there's the guy with the sword, and then we've got the brains behind it as well. And the size in them all is hilarious as well. I mean, the casting, oh, got like tiny guy, middle guy, and then you've got giant guy. And it just, they just look brilliant, don't they? Yeah. Absolutely. Like you're sort of anti-heroes, aren't they, in a way? Well, one of them is. Two, yeah. two of them are. But, um, yeah, it's a good way they sort of throw that in storytelling i want to know the backstory about how he went around recruiting them do you know what i mean because he talks about it i'd love to know him like going to greenland going i'm looking for a giant i need a giant oh, you're <laughs> the yard, <aren't> you? <laughs> they don't really go into it in the book either if i remember they talk a lot about um Ignigno's, um Ignigno, oh god i can never pronounce his name unless i'm saying the whole thing the whole the whole line i can never um yeah um, but they go. I think they go into his story quite a lot in detail. Right. Um, 
but they don't sort of talk about how Vasini sort of recruited them. So, yeah, that would be quite interesting. But yeah, those three, they're, they're amazing. And then we get the famous rhyming game now, which, Kate, as you've revealed, is now was ad-libbed, really. So they're setting sail and we get this really fun scene where there's obviously a chemistry of a bond, you know, blokey bromance between uh, Inigo and um, Fezzik because yeah. he's sort of, uh, Vizzini's screaming at them, you know, do this, move that, do get the sail going. Come on, we're on, a t- we're on the clock here, guys. And he's like, uh, Vizzini, he likes to fuss. <laughs> I think he likes, he likes to scream, scream at us. And they do this rhyming thing, which winds him up even more, you know, even to the point where he's like, no more rhyming, I mean it. And what does he say? Anybody want to beat it? It's so good. <laughs> so good. I love it so much. I love it. Yeah, um, like this whole thing is so cute because, yeah, he's saying the scene's having a go. I mean, he says he, he says to Fezzik, like, I didn't hire you to think and all of this. And he's being really mean. And, like, I love how they have this little thing which kind of just cheers Fezzik up because it's just, oh, it's just so lush. I love it. And and to quote uh, RJ McCready, he, as he always says, this film moves at a pace because, you know, mm-hmm. we've got a kidnapping um, they're on the boat and then they're sailing on the boat and this is where uh, they see that they're being followed now, don't they? Um, yeah. yeah I on that, that note then, this is only seven minutes in and we've mm. met all of our main characters. Yeah. Much. That's amazing. First seven minutes. I never realised that seven minutes in. Bloody hell. Yeah, all of that in seven minutes. Because it we is uh, the other love, thing. Everything already in seven minutes. True love, ki- kidnapping, pirate murder, yeah. you yeah. know, uh, a marriage proposal, everything. It's just all in there already. It's a lot How for an hour and a half movie, isn't it? On the whole, really, which is yeah, oh, yeah. There's it. so much in this, and yeah, it's it's all at a pace, and it's and none of it seems like too fast or convoluted. It's just it's just good pacing. But just on a slight segue here, guys, while we're on this subject, it's what I generally liked about movies from the eighties. Only on for about an hour and a half. It's the same with uh, Labyrinth, yeah. uh, Neverending Story, Crawl. They just sort of Goonies. did everything. Yeah, the Goonies just did everything you wanted it to do. There's no sort of like slow moments, was there? Very, maybe it's just the way they edited the movie, just real fast cut pace. That's all you want. It's just I think, fantastic. Uh, yeah, I think as well with those kind of movies, they there is a, a one of the audience, I mean, not the only audience, but one of the audience is children as well, like younger audiences. Mm. Who, you know, they only have a certain um, attention span. span of attention. Yeah. So, um, so I think there was that that with it as well but it works and you don't need anything extra you the, the audience isn't stupid they can put bits together if they need to and yeah you know those i i always really love it when i i'm about to watch a film and sometimes i'll check the runtime and it's like 85 minutes i think oh that's brilliant i can i can do that i can <laughs> i can sit down for 85 minutes yeah as a parent <laughs> that is that is gold to me yeah like <laughs> if a movie's an hour and a half or less i'm like yep let's do this like that four hour documentary i'm not i'm gonna be honest i'm probably not gonna get to watch that for a good two more years <laughs> at least not in one go <laughs> um, so yeah so I, I, i'll earmark that one <laughs> well um um, Vizzini says a a little snippet of information here. He says it's probably a local fisherman out for a night cruise through eel-infested waters. Mm. So we we, we find out that these eels, they're called the Shrieking Eels. And she takes this as an opportunity because, you know, there's no way that anyone could be following them, but this boat is catching up with them. Um, So she she jumps in the water now at this point, Buttercup, and she suddenly realises her mistake, doesn't she, guys? Because... Those and it's such they a simple effect. Scary. They are scary. It's There's teeth on those things. It's it's and mar- dark and 
Yeah, it's kind of marketing on the time as well, I suppose, because you had Jaws, didn't you? So they thought they'd probably chuck a little bit of something mm. like that, even though it is in the book as well. I don't think so. But yeah, they're probably thinking, let's pull that one out. Originally, well, originally it was supposed to be sharks, like in the not well in the in the original story it was sharks, but maybe because of Jaws, maybe they didn't want to quite do that yeah, because yeah. maybe it was just it was too on the nose, so they they turned it into these. I just, honestly, actually, I think work better. They're a little bit more mystical. They're a bit more, and they're not just. A normal eel there are shrieking eels and they they shriek louder just before they're about to feed on human flesh yeah. oh it's such a great line <laughs> <laughs> it's so um and this is where we cut back to uh <laughs> peter falk says now she doesn't get eaten at this point yeah <laughs> and he's like what what and he's like you were looking very concerned i i just wanted you to know she doesn't get killed at this point he's like what the hell what I wasn't that worried. I was just <clears throat> anyway. Carry on with the story. So. Yeah, like, you wanna, if you, and he's kind of like you can see he's kind of getting into because at one point the grandfather kind of goes, you know, I, I can I can stop if you want. And he's <laughs> like, he's like, I mean, no, I mean, you know, I guess it would be all right if you can, you know, if you want, you know. <laughs> he's really reluctant to sort of like admit that he's enjoying himself, yeah, but like, all right, fine, I guess it. if you want, we can continue. <laughs> poor, poor kid from the eighties, right there. You know what I mean? He's just loving it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. Well, luckily, um, huge giant hand sm smashes the eel on the head, grabs her out of the water. She's pulled out. She's okay. And uh, he says, look, um, Inigo says, look, the guy's right on top of us. And he's like, it doesn't matter. We're here. The cliffs of insanity. And uh, they've caught up. They've got to where they need to be, which is the cliffs of insanity. Um, I'm guessing these weren't real cliffs. This wasn't a real location. Uh, oh, yeah, um, I to find out about this. There was no, it was a set built um, because later on, when they have um, the the big fight scene with um, with Wesley and, and Ignam, oh, someone else. Ignam Montoya. <laughs> uh, I, I can't. I used to try and hear me speak Spanish. It's like, it's really laughable. Um, so um, yeah, the, the big fight because initially that fight was um, only like a minute long, and they'd spent a month rehearsing and, and doing all of it. And they finished. They showed Rob Bryan, and they're like, "Right, that, that's that's the fight scene." And Rob Bryan was like, "Is that it? I built you this entire set to use, and you're telling me you only have a minute? Do more!" <laughs> so they added another two and a bit minutes onto it. So it's over three minutes long. But one of the things that Rob Bryan said was that he had built that set. So I think. It was it was a set that they had built and not a real place. I can't imagine them. I can't imagine what the well. I don't know if they would have worried about insurance back then. Honestly, actually, they'd have probably just had at it. But, um, okay, Kate, but is, yeah, Kate, even with Fezzik. This is the eighties we're talking about here, Kate. So. Yeah, I know. I just realised Mad Max and all of that. You know, it's not. Oh, um, but I think even with like Andre the Giant with pulling them off, I think even that might have been because he had a bad back as well um, through like injuries with wrestling and things. So like I yeah, I think it. Um, well, I know it was all of a set, but I think that's probably the better done right. and this is one of the reasons why he's been hired because now he gets strapped to effectively a utility belt that he's wearing <laughs> and he climbs he just pulls them all up the cliffs um which is hundreds of feet um but he's very very strong and even during this we get um Vizzini having a go at him sort of saying you know hurry up you know i found you unemployed in greenland come on do do better i didn't hire you to be slow get up there quickly he's gaining us and this man in black whoever he is he is catching up with them on the rope isn't he mm -hmm. but in in Fezzik's defense he hasn't got like three people attached to him yeah well he <laughs> says doesn't he um, you know i'm in he carrying he's just carrying himself i'm carrying yeah, all of you yeah yeah exactly and um <laughs> it's also as well at this point like 
there was this uh, a bit of a controversial opinion maybe but I don't think that Vecini is actually as smart as he thinks he is um, obviously he keeps using inconceivable and there's that obvious that famous line of like you know I don't I don't think that word means what you think it means. Yeah. Um, but also as well, when they're on the ship and they're, they're docking, he's like, get that thing and the other thing. And like, he doesn't know what the names of the ship and someone who is like so well, supposedly well read and things, you'd think we'd probably know a bit more about ships. And then, especially at that time when that was your main mode of transport, maybe not so much now, but back then. And obviously he relies on the other two so greatly and he sort of like puts them down. And I think like, you know, because he, they, they kind of rely on him and, and think they were rescued by him um but i think i just get this sort of impression that he kind of bluffs his way a lot you know like he kind of isn't maybe as smart as he thinks he is i don't know if, if you guys think that at all i thought i've got that at all or... i think he's a bully he's a little bully yeah yeah, yeah. I, I think like you just said there dan i think with bullies they do that type of thing don't they where they try to sort of charm almost charm their way out of these situations so i think kate what you just said there i think you're quite spot on with that that's how he's coming across um but guys i was just going to quickly say uh you know the film locations um yeah this, this was actually filmed in england i yeah, guess you right. guys already know that uh so you've got haddon hall and penhurst place which is just 40 minutes down the road from where i live um, oh wow! So yeah, so the sort of real set locations and all that sort of stuff. But um, well, I didn't. Some of it was at the Peak District as well. Um, yes, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Bit, yeah, I think yeah. maybe the top of the cliffs, maybe yeah. like the hillsides. Yeah, not sure. But I didn't realise, Kate, that that the uh, cliffs were made up. I didn't know about that. So it's, that's uh, so it's good, right? Yeah. yeah, I thought that was a real. Great. Yeah, it's a testament. The set pieces in this, the whole thing, like whether they're like on on site somewhere or in a studio or what they're all just so gorgeous mm. like any one of those things you could create into a still and like just put up on your wall you know like <laughs> oh, yeah. i'm just thinking that'd be a great prop wouldn't it what have you bought well i've just bought the cliff to uh princess bride <laughs> <laughs> in my garden <laughs> it's in my garden yeah, yeah. Out yeah. <laughs> the uh, neighbors love it <laughs> yeah <laughs> Well, the guys have got to change their plan here because um, because this this mysterious guy following them is is changing their plans. Immediately, he says to um, Inigo, he says, "Look, you stay here. When he gets to the top, because because they cut the rope, but he still carries on climbing even without rope." And he's like, "Who is this guy?" He's like, "I don't know, but it doesn't matter. When he gets to the top, kill him. Uh, I'm going to run off with Andre the Giant and Buttercup. You catch up with us when you've dispatched him." Mm. And he says. I have to use my uh, left hand. And he's like, oh, you know, we're pushed for time. He's like, come on. If I use my right hand, it'll be over too quickly. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, oh. what are you thinking? Because <laughs> well, that sounds dodgy. Well, like, yeah. <laughs> I just got that. Oh, my God. Yeah, the way you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we get a really lovely bit of, uh, storytelling now from Mandy Patinkin. So he lets him, you know, he helps him up to the top and he's like, I swear on um, my father's uh, grave, you know, I won't do anything until you come to the top. So he says, no, rest, rest. So he's a gentleman. He's like, don't, no, we don't have to fight straight away. Rest. And he pours out these big rocks out of his boot and he mm. says, thank you again. Uh, you know, and he says, um, this is where he sort of reveals to him. Uh, he studied, uh, yeah, look at this sword. It was built by my father. Um, my father was killed by a six-fingered man. Uh, he slashed me on my face, uh, and I'm looking for him all my life. That's because he says, "If you've got six fingers," he's like, "Do you begin all conversations this way?" Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this whole uh, this whole bit is actually called the chatty duel. 
because of oh, how really? and how like gentlemanly they are. Yeah. He says, "Well, uh, you seem like a nice fellow. Um, I'd, I'd hate to, I hate to have to kill you." And he's like, "And you seem like a nice fellow. I, I hate to die." And should we begin? And they begin what, in my opinion, is the best sword fight on cinema screens. In uh, the script, it's described as the greatest sword fight in modern times. And go. so, Carrie. So, I've got a bit of trivia here. If you don't mind me interrupting, Dan. No, <laughs> please. Um, sorry. Um, so um, they the training. Um, for this and the choreography was done by the same people who did all the choreography with lightsaber fights in Star Wars. Wow. Oh. Um, Peace Diamond and Bob Anderson. Um, and they'd also been at the Olympics, worked on James Bond and all kinds of stuff. Um, and um, they, neither of them, neither of the actors, um, Kerry or Mandy, had um, previous experience um, with sword fighting. Um, like a little bit of fencing, like as part of acting school, apparently, but like that's it. And so they spent all of their spare time um, rehearsing um, and uh, and yeah and, and it was just literally these like really intricate things because Rob Ryan was like we're having no this is all you like I think the only thing that was a stunt double with the flips yeah like the back um, flips and stuff yeah. yeah that's it everything else um, they, no even the back flips with them it was only that one bit off the off the, that bar Oh, right. Know, where wow. they throw the swords, like everything else was them. Um, and they had to have like extreme, like over a course of a month or so, um, extreme sort of um, training for it. Um, and it was made even harder as well because Carrie uh, broke his toe. Oh, no. Oh. Um, yeah, um, he <laughs> he was prattling around on an ATV, which is um, this kind of cart thing that <laughs> Andre the Giant had, um, which he needed because he <laughs> had difficulty <laughs> getting around. And he kept... <laughs> <laughs> he kept him trying to entice him, going like, "Oh, come on, have a go." He's, he's like, my, he kept going, "Do you like my toy?" Um, and he's just like, "Yeah, yeah, it's very nice, Andre, but no, I'm, I'm good, I'm good." And he's just like, and every day he comes to like, oh, "Come on, have a go, have a go." And he's literally on it. He goes on it less than two feet, and he flips the car over Jeez. a rock and, and breaks his toe. And he didn't want Rob Reiner to find out because it was very early days, and he, did, he was like, "No one tell him, no one tell him, it's fine." And the nurse on set was just like, "You need to go to hospital." And he's like, "No, no, no, no." don't do it just just splint me and she was and she splinted gave him a splint out of sticks um that just happened to be around and he just kind of hobbled which is why there's a few scenes where um like when they're in the uh fire swamp and things like he's kind of hobbling a little bit and mm. why when he sits down just before he rolls down the hill which luckily was a stuntman not him, mm. actually him having to do it he's he has his leg outstretched because he can't put pressure <laughs> he can't put pressure on it wow. down um so yeah but this whole fight scene was just like this it was like the one of the major kind of pieces of work that they had to kind of get through um and this is why it's just it's i think to me it's like so iconic and just so well thought out and intricate and and just so well put together because in the script there was this immediate like pressure of being described as the greatest sword fight in modern times so yeah <laughs> anyways back to you dan Sorry. Well, I'm, I'm still getting over andre the giant on his golf cart with carriels <laughs> you know, just imagine walking your dog along this film set going what the hell is that oh, what i can do <laughs> because there is this really fantastic interview with carrie alvarez did with mm. google where he tells this whole story and carrie alvarez if you've never seen him in an interview is not only just as charismatic as you mm -hmm. would expect but he does all these 
accents and all these voices and impressions and every single one of them is bang on yeah and it's just so fun so if you like i can i can put the link onto onto the bite-sized page yeah chuck it on there because it's really and it's all about the princess bride it's all about behind the scenes and stuff which is where i got a lot of a lot of my stories from (laughs) amazing fantastic it's great. Well, Sorry. I think the reason the sword fight is so good is it's not just because it is a great sword fight with bat flips and everything, but we get they're still talking to each other throughout. They're they're very impressed with each other's skills, mm. um, and we get to a point where Inigo um, is being over, overpowered, and he says, "Why why are you smiling?" He says, "Because I know something you don't know. I'm not left-handed." And this is where we get to see the real sword skills. But then we find out that also the man in black is right-handed as well and then this steps it up even more and they they yeah. continue fighting and fighting and fighting and there's little jibes at each other like who are you yeah someone no one of consequence and he's like i must know and he's yeah. like get used to disappointment and they're just like little yeah. bits at each other all the way through and eventually he overpowers him flips his sword out of his hand and he says kill me quickly and he's like i'd sooner destroy a stained glass window as an artist like yourself but i can't have you following me so he just clocks him on the back of the head with his hilt with his sword and and off he trots so this man and is then before he goes there as well he goes please understand i hold you in the highest respect <laughs> even though the guy's knocked out he still has respect for the guy enough to say so even though he can't even hear him what a gentleman yeah. such a gentleman sorry <laughs> um and then uh how does how does Vasini know that um He's defeated him. Does they're he see him coming? Him. This is oh, what, that's right. They're just watching. It's like, why aren't you running? I know. Go. <laughs> so yeah, they're just watching him from behind a rock. Because he says, "Oh, for God's sake, he's he's beaten him. He's beaten um Inigo. How's he done that?" Well, I tell you what. Defeat. You know, when he gets here, do it your way. And he's like, well, "What's my way?" And he's like, "Pick up one of those rocks." At the moment, his head is in view. Hit it with the rock. <laughs> and Andre's like, "My way's not very sportsmanlike." <laughs> I know, he's so cute. I love him. Um, we should probably say that during this this happening, though, we get little bits now. Humberdink is on the trail, isn't he? And he's the greatest tracker in all the land. He could track a falcon on a stormy day. And he's um he's tracking along with his six-fingered count, uh, Count mm. Rugin. Um, they're tracking them. And he's he is actually an incredible tracker. You know, he's he can tell that there was a really good sword fight um two masters one of them ran off with the other one of them ran off the other way the loser is of no consequence we must be on our toes and he says do you think this is a trap and he says i think everything's a trap that's why i'm still alive it's a great line (laughs) great line he has this sort of arrogance as well about him like even though it's very well deserved in terms of he is as good as he thinks he is um there is a sort of arrogance which ultimately i think is this bit of his downfall but he does it with a lot of charm as well doesn't he old Chris Sarandon doesn't he the same as all well, his other roles in it like with the vampire how can, it, how can like he that. not nah, it's just, it's it's just got just a natural charm even when he's wearing that really thick net sweater in Fright Night in the nightclub he's still charming isn't he yeah it's funny you brought that up Dan do you know what I mean that's another sort of sort of man crushy moment isn't it <laughs> <laughs> that sweater though really annoys me I'm like why are you wearing that in that nightclub mate Because like, hey it was oh, the man, the 80s man there you go he pulls <laughs> it off so well and he's got a lot going on in his days isn't he humble dick does he come out with that line saying oh I've got a kingdom to take over a bride to marry oh, yeah. someone to kill someone <laughs> to betray I'm just swamped that is actually uh, Chris Randon's favourite line yeah. Um, Somebody, one of his guys says to him at one point, he says, like, oh, well, I don't know if we can do that. We've got this, this, and this going on. He's like, try ruling the world sometime. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But again, it's this 
arrogance. It's like you don't rule the world. You mm. own one tiny little kind of <laughs> little flower of it. Mm. And the guy even gives him this look like, yeah, all right, bud. You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, but again, it's, it is a great line. It's yeah. just, yeah. Um, well, surely um, the, black, the man in black must be defeated now because he now has to take in hand-to-hand combat, combat take on uh, Andre the Giant. So he says, you're very quick. And he says, yeah, that's a good job, you know. And, uh, and we get a tiny bit of backstory here now because he sort of, he flips around uh, the back of him and he sort of starts choking out Andre the Giant a little bit. And he says, um, uh, he says, um, it's not my fault being the biggest and the strongest. I don't even exercise. But he says, <laughs> I've, I've never fought one person for so long. I don't know why you, you're giving me so much trouble. I, I normally fight like, <laughs> this is brilliant. He says, I normally fight um, for charity. I sort of, battle at local gangs and take on groups of people for charities Charities. and things like that charity events but uh you know i've never fought one person for just so long and you you get a bit of a like what's he doing in greenland like taking on oh for our next charity event we got um a a giant taking on a group of thieves go for it it would be a spectacle though (laughs) especially like back then wouldn't it can you imagine the money that you would pay to see that when there's no tv (laughs) so good i I would watch i love the bit as well when like the man, man in black um will he starts sort of like trying to like wrestle him and he just doesn't move but he's also not fighting back and like and then the man in black sort of goes you, you know are you just are you mucking about with me kind of thing and he goes i just want you to feel like you're doing well oh. it's, like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's just him all over like, no have a go mate no have a go I'll, I'll give you a fair shot like in this whole thing of you know he, he he doesn't hit him with the rock and he's like i'll put down my rock and you put down your sword and you know and and no tricks, no weapons, skill against skill alone. And the man in black's like, you mean we'll try and kill each other like civilized people? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, and this is how all of, like both him, him and um, like Fesic and, and, and Inigo will, they are gentlemen and he's a gentleman and it's all very, yeah, very sportsmanlike. I really love it. You and don't I get that often when it comes to. I was going to say, I can't battles. say I've ever seen this in another movie either. Do you know what I mean? There's yeah, no, no really comparison, nice guys, really. is it? Just so in a weird situation. Like, yeah. Yeah, it is what it is. But you know what? We're gonna we're gonna be honour among thieves. You know. Yeah, it is. And he chokes him out, uh, and he does. He sort of rolls him over, so he's not going to sort of choke or anything. And he says, "Sleep well and dream of large women." <laughs> <laughs> and then flips his sword up with his foot and catches it. What a legend! Yeah. And then just carries oh, on. It's <laughs> so dude. effortless. It's just. Oh. Love it. And we get now to the famous battle of wits because yeah. he's defeated two of the the gang. He's mm-hmm. now got to defeat um, Fazini's brain. So he arrives and he sort of laid out a picnic, hasn't he, with some cheese and some grapes and some wine. It's good. It's quite pleasant. I'd like to join those guys for a little picnic. Maybe not it with looks the eye so against nice. <laughs> it Looks so nice. I also want to like because. Of what I don't understand as well a little, and this is only like a little nitpick thing, and I it was only because I was watching it with like a, a reviewer's eye but it's obviously um it's the man in black who offers the challenge of the drinks so i want to know like why Fasini just has this little picnic laid out like i love it but i'm just like there's no reason for that for you to have that all set up already <laughs> it looks great though but i don't yeah but maybe he was just so confident he's like yeah cool we'll just kick back and have some lunch <laughs> so he's got buttercup blindfolded with a knife to her throat and he sort of says you know i can't defeat you uh you know i'm no match for you physically or with your sword but you are no match for my brains and he's like you're that smart and he's like yeah I, i'm that he's like, we'll sit down and we'll have a battle of wits and uh, this is where we find out just how arrogant he is because you know he says uh plato what is it he says kate 
He goes, let me put it this way. Have you ever heard of Plato, Aristotle, Socrates? Yes. Morons. And he's like, you're that smart. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm, don't worry. I am super clever. Um, you know, you're not going to defeat me. And he's like, all right, well, I've got a challenge for you. Pour the wine. And uh, he produces a little um, roll of parchment. And he says, inhale, but do not touch. He says, what you do not smell is iocane powder, one of the deadliest poisons known to man. Um, and he's like, I'm going to, and he puts it in the cups and he says, like, the battle of wits has begun. And he's like, this is, this is so simple. And we get this fantastic moment now from uh, so great. Wallace, Sean, who just goes off on this whole, like, I can clearly not choose the wine in front of me. And then he gives that reason. But then he says, but I can also choose that. And then he says, but then iocane powder mm. is from Australia and Australia is filled with thieves. Uh, and then he's, so he's talking about that. And then he's like, but you've studied sword fighting. So in study, you know, that man is mortal. So you would want the, the wine far away from your body. But then, and, and he's, he's just got all these different oh, theories bouncing around. Reverse psychology, everything. Uh, what I find funny about this bit though, is that through all of this, is all this intellect, all of this strategy and this, you know, um, trying to work out how his mind's working and ultimately what he does is just this really kind of basic primitive almost childish like look over there yeah. <laughs> like deception and then they, <laughs> they throw another curveball in here as well because australia wasn't even discovered in this time oh wow <laughs> you know what i mean i'm just saying it's just like you know but there's so much going on like you just said kate and dan it's just like you you almost overlook those bits, don't you? And it's a very clever, like say, jewel yeah. of wits. I always think as well, this is like a fantasy world. So maybe in Australia, maybe in this world, Australia was discovered. Oh yeah, time. yeah. That's what I love about this film. It just it's throwing in every cocktail you could imagine isn't it, from those. Times and there are, and there are little bits that don't necessarily make sense, or like why would that happen? But it doesn't matter. Like no, it's the same. No, like, why would he have a picnic set up? But like, we, it doesn't matter. We don't want it to make sense, do we? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. Uh, well, he gives this famous speech um, about you fell victim to one of the classic blunders. Uh, the, the most popular is don't get involved in a land war in Asia. But only second to that is never go up against a Sicilian when death is on the line. He basically reveals that he switched the cups, laughs a bit and drops down dead. Mm. It's so great. It's and, just a uh, maniacal laugh and then his face just freezes. It's really good. And uh, Buttercup says, so the wine was in in your cup he's like it was in both but I've spent spent the last few years just building up an uh, immunity <laughs> that I came guys obviously <laughs> this very day <laughs> it was really lucky that I had that immunity because I tell you what you never know when that's going to come up <laughs> so oh, good man. I must admit watching this recently that even threw me off this time because I, I was trying to work out how he did it and then he comes out with that line I thought cry there we go <laughs> oh, great. and that's, that's the other thing as well is that because Bassini is trying so hard to apply logic mm. and ultimately it's totally negated by the fact that well, it doesn't matter whatever you're doing you're, you're damned if you do you're damned if you don't good luck pal like, yeah, it doesn't, none, win, none of that matters and he almost mocks him as well, doesn't he? He's just like, oh, really? Oh, okay. Kind of like oh, as he's giving him all this truly, theory, like man in black. Is like, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, did, truly a dizzy intellect. And it's like, and you only sort of realise afterwards, like he's mocking him because it's like, mate, you, you try and break this down as much as you want. <laughs> <laughs> so Buttercup is kidnapped again by this other person um she doesn't know what's going on but she's very angry as you can probably imagine you know five years ago her true love was killed by pirates she's now having to marry a guy she doesn't love then she gets kidnapped now she's been kidnapped from the kidnappers so we get this sort of start of this little backwards and forwards between uh, buttercup and who we 
obviously we know it's Wesley. Um, I'm not sure why he's quite so mean to her. I don't know if he's trying to find out if she really does love Pumperdink or. Yeah, uh, it's that. It's um, because he's he's obviously really hurt by the fact that she's engaged to somebody else. Um, and for him, it's like he truly believes that true love can conquer all. Like death is not a thing. Like he's always believed that. And obviously, you know, after five years, oh, you know, you were dead. Um, <laughs> and she's she's a, she's a single woman who is probably nearing, dare I say it, 22 or something and basically a crone for that. that thing. <laughs> and she kind of has to do what she's got to do. She's on her own. Um, but he's like just sees it as a like a total betrayal um and so yeah he is a bit of a dick to her and especially like he says um she offers him money and says oh i promise that you'll have money and he says oh what what?" he sort of laughs and he says what is that worth a promise of a woman you're very funny highness (laughs) and i was like oh all right then pal like um but she also says i know who you are you're the dread pirate roberts and he's like at your service and so we we find out that uh, you know if this was your first watch you find out this is actually the dread pirate roberts obviously though it's actually wesley as well and i love all that stuff we'll come to that in a bit um, <laughs> it's it's not obvious that it's him though is it because I, I said this <laughs> no. to my daughter and i was watching i said makes if i was dressed up in that outfit you'll probably go hello dad <laughs> i'm just saying <laughs> all he's done is throwing a little moustache yeah and yeah. Uh, put a mask on and that's it really so you need yeah. to do man <laughs> I suppose though, if you're not expecting it, because she thinks he's dead, I haven't seen yeah. him five years. Like you're not going to think it, but but yeah, it's that kind of Clark Kent thing of like, mm, really? Seriously, guys? Just because he wears glasses. Yeah, he true. reveals to her that he remembers Wesley, and mm. he said, "Yeah, I do remember them actually. Um, I remember him telling me about." Um, the woman who's indescribable be- beauty. I can only imagine he was talking about you. What? At this point, though, uh, Hubbardink's still on the trail, and we hear some horses, and they see it's them. Um, and she says, he, "My lover's, you know, my, my man's dead, and you can die too." No, he said, "My, I died that day, and you can die too for all I care." And she shoves him down the hill, and obviously he screams. <gasps> As you wish. She immediately realizes her mistake and then jumps in herself as well. <laughs> no, and that right, I I didn't realize if, um, up until like the last couple of watches that hill is so steep. They should have no. they like they, they should not be coming out of that unscathed. Like it's that so that's a mad dress, deep. isn't it? Um, well, two stuntmen obviously doing that, but yeah, but even so, it, you can't tell it's, it's stuntmen. Oh, and no, kinda... I, I, I didn't mean in like real life, obviously, stuntmen, but I just meant like in terms of like if two people are rolling down that hill, you ain't getting up that quickly. Yeah, <laughs> walk it off, just walk it off. Um, so she realizes and they kiss and they're reunited uh, at the bottom of this ravine, um, and he's like, don't worry about it. Uh, we can um, we can go into the fire swamp now. Mm. So this this story is getting better and better. Not only have we had all this stuff going on, we've now got a place called the fire swamp. What could be going on in there? Ooh. It's just what you need in an eighties movie, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? With was it uh, the rats of enormous size or one pro- yeah. rodents size? of unusual rodents, size? That's it. Yeah, or that's like the, the one. Yeah, that's great. And, and later on, we got we, this of quicksand mm. as well. Oh yeah, my god! The well, sand, yeah. Mentioned that one before, Dan, are we on the show? I had to get old quicksand <laughs> from the 90s. Yeah, you really did think it was going to be a bigger issue than it actually was in adulthood. <laughs> <laughs> and later on, we even get a place called the Pit of Despair, but we'll come yeah. to that. So there's loads of great names in there. Oh, it's awesome. It? Um, yeah, so they, they head into the fire swamp. 
and uh, he's like oh it's actually quite lovely in here you know i'm not saying i want to build a summer home here but uh, the trees are actually quite beautiful yeah. <laughs> so he's so That's charming right. this guy i agree though can i just that whole set like that is that is me like mm. i love forests and yeah. stuff like okay i wouldn't want the quicksand or all the things that can kill you but yeah the set the trees are actually quite lovely yeah i would i would chill out there <laughs> just watch out for those are you are you yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Flames and giant nice rodents. Oh, oh. <laughs> it's quite nice now when they have the little chat uh, and he reveals he's not the Dread Pirate Roberts. Neither was the guy before him. Neither was a couple of guys before them. It's actually just a name that's passed on. Um, and he explains how they do it. You know, they take on a whole new crew and the old Pirate Roberts would stay on just so everyone believed you with a new one. Kind of like, I don't know, like... Uh, a superhero or something like that you know so it's just all about the name really um so he yeah, said it's the name that's important for inspiring the necessary fear and what's that line daniel know the line where it's like good night wesley good work i most likely kill you in the morning in the morning <laughs> <laughs> i just love that just again it's this kind of gentlemanly thing of like you know oh, you done well you know i might kill you in the morning but you know you, d- you did well it's just this whole this whole thing that kind of runs so through basically, the film a little bit. In five years, he's learned to become one of the best swordsmen, fighters, Iocane immunity, you know, mm. languages. And he's just, in five years, I want to go on that five-year pirate training course. I want to be like that. Productive. <laughs> well, you got the beard for it, Dan. <laughs> oh, yeah. Bone beard. With like a little earring and, and a patch. Yeah, I can I see you. Yeah. Bone beard. 100%. Right, that's Halloween sorted, Dan. Get yourself a pirate costume. <laughs> Even if you can't get Oh, anyway, even if everything's still sort of, you know, can't do anything, just sit in your living room, watch a bit of maybe Hook or something, and just sit there with your with your pirate outfit and send me a picture because I am 100% here for that. <laughs> oh, man. Um, well, in the fire swamp, <laughs> the pirate, Roberts himself, actually Wesley and Buttercup, experience um, three different uh, dangers. So first of all, they discover the, the fire spirits. Um, yeah. You hear like, you hear like a... Noise and her dress catches yeah. fire. He puts her out. Send there, yeah. Send the bed, will we? And uh, he sort of puts her out. He's such a man, and he just puts He's out the so, dress. I find him a bit patronising in that bit because he does that. She's like, "Are you okay?" Uh, like, uh, did like, oh, he's, um, she says, "Did you get something fire?" Something like that, and he does this like, like yeah, this know. <laughs> head shake, and it's like, Look, "You're cute, but can you not?" <laughs> like. <laughs> Um, but also as well for that bit, when her dress gets, got set on fire, they were shooting with um, the writer, William Goldman, was on set. And he was so caught up with the scene, even though he knew that that was what was going to happen. He was so caught up with the moment. He shouted, her dress is on fire! Completely ruined the take <laughs> and they had to they had to redo it. Um, probably, uh, yeah, Robin Wright was not probably very happy with that, having to do that again. <laughs> um, but yeah, I thought it was quite funny. So that's actually her having her dress caught on fire, isn't it? Which is pretty cool. Uh, or not. I think so, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, be hot. It's going to be very hot. She was hot anyway, but she's even hotter now. Uh, so <laughs> so um, they soon discover the uh, the second um, uh, danger of the fire swamp, which is lightning sand or quicksand, uh, which we're all very familiar with from watching yeah. films from the yeah. 80s. I was going to say, Dan, it kind of reminded me of Flash Gordon as well. This scene, whole scene here with the barrens, woods, and all that sort of stuff. Oh, yeah. 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 I think Flash yeah, apparently, um, quicksand is not going to be so much of an issue as an adult. And <laughs> I often wonder how they do these scenes because. 
you know, that she went into that pit of sand. I'm guessing mm. underneath it's like a funneling system and she falls out the bottom onto a mattress with loads of sand. And then, mm. I don't know, yeah, you never I know. I have no idea. It. it looks amazing. And yeah. I, I can't, because it, it, and it's not just the fact that she falls through, but the sand then envelops her over the top as well. Yeah. So it, it's not like that there's like a tunnel which is filled, because it would have to be filled with sand. Otherwise it would, the sand on top would just fall through as well. I don't know. It's cinema magic. Something to YouTube, maybe, at another point. How do they do quicksand in the 80s? <laughs> I don't know, mate. It's, right. it's one of my fears when I go treasure hunting, guys, you know, my hobby. You know, I'm in fear that one oh. day you're just going to find a detector with a cowboy hat in the field. And I'm just sort of sunk <laughs> Just with a hand reaching out, like a Desmond Day or something. Just single hand skeleton. But yeah. Well, uh, um, she, so she goes in, he dives in, um, and... Something I used to do as a kid, and I found myself doing it this time as well, is me and my sister used to hold our breath uh, from the second that they go into the quicksand and see if we could hold our breath for the entire time they were in there until they come out. And then we'd both sort of go, at the same time. I do that too. I do that too. Oh my gosh, I didn't know anyone else did that. Yeah, I do that all the time. I don't even do that as a kid. I do that now. I'll like hold my breath. And like if someone goes underwater or something, you have to hold your breath and you have to see if it. And what I do as well is that um, just because obviously if you, if you well obviously if you go underwater, it's probably cold or something, and that will take some of your breath. So I always try to hold my breath for like an extra ten seconds just what? to see whether like just to account for the situation that they'd be in, just to see if I could do it. Um, and I always get really annoyed with myself. In fact, if I'm on my own, I'll, re- I'll rewind it and see if I can do it. Again. Have you also been building up an immunity to Iocane over the last five days? Uh, no, but I tell you what, I am going to. Uh, oh my God. Just by watching <laughs> the movie, you've built up this immunity. <laughs> yeah, just yeah, just purely from the amount of time. Just like, mm-hmm, that's what's happened. RJ, did you ever used to do that as a kid or as an adult? Like hold your breath to see whether... Yes, I have. Well. Yeah, I've done that. I've actually felt my whole body shudder whenever I see someone falling off a high tower or cliff or something like that. Do you know what I mean? It's like you, when oh, they go yeah. boom, you kind of go... Ooh, like that. You just think, oh god, I almost felt that. So yeah, I kind of got the. Yeah, yeah. It's funny how we've all or if, experienced like, you're watching that. a horror movie and a particularly like graphic bit of violence happens, like in Hostel, when the the it's it's Achilles tendons get smashed mm. and stuff. So like, oh, you just like you almost you don't feel it, but you almost oh, kind yeah. of. Oof. Yeah, and that's the power of these movies, isn't it? You kind of feel part of it. Just uh, your body's reacting to that motion or something. But yeah, no, yeah, quite, yeah. That makes me so happy though, because no one else I know does that breath breathing. breathing. Oh, there you yeah, go. Hold him a breath. <laughs> we're all doing the same thing on different possibilities he jumps in he pulls her out um, and she's very upset we're going to die in here and he says no we're not look we we could we're doing all right there's three dangers of the fire swamps the fire the flame spurts but you already know about that you've shown those that there's a a, a popping sound just before the flame so we know about that and he said and then there's the lightning sand well that's easy to spot now that you know you've you've fallen into it clever enough discover what that looks like <laughs> and then she, she says, did that on purpose and then she says but what about the RAUSs and he classically says roads of unusual size I don't think they exist and of course while they were in the quicksand we did see these big giant things walking around and uh, one of them f- goes flying at him and this is quite a vicious attack now isn't it guys like this yeah. taking chunks out of his yeah. shoulder and yeah, his arm and um, a bit of a trivia bit for you um, is the voice of the rodents of unusual size, um, like the screeching and stuff, is done by Rob Reiner himself. Oh, is it? Oh, right. I thought he was going to say yeah. Cor- Corey Feldman or something like that. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> my God. Chuck him in the, uh... I can't imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> There's only 
to get got, in on uh, this somehow. I will even do the voice of a rat, you know. Apparently Liam Neeson auditioned for one of the... No, I'm joking. He didn't yeah. audition for a rat. <laughs> I'm a rat. <laughs> um, it's quite I'm a vicious well. attack. Oh, go on, Kate. Sorry. No, just real quick, just because I think this is quite a funny story. This is, I'm just going to read it verbatim from IMDb because I'm, I'll muck it up otherwise. Mm. Um, so inside the rat suits was actually actors. Um, they were just yeah. sort of, um, I don't know if they were, if they were um, dwarves or if they were, I don't know. But anyways, um, mm. but on the day that Wesley was supposed to be wrestling the main actor, um, he wasn't anywhere to be found. So this is one that he battles in this bit here. Um, and finally he arrives on set and he had this whole long story because he'd been pulled over for speeding on the night before um, on his way home from a bar. And then he was subsequently put in jail for a few hours oh, for yeah. drinking and driving. But the police, <laughs> he, he was telling them, that he's just like, no, 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 I've got to go. I'm, I'm like in a, I'm in a movie tomorrow. And, um, and the police God. officer's like, oh yeah, who are you playing? And he's like, I play a rat. <laughs> and they, just, they didn't believe him. Um, they just didn't believe his story at all. Oh, they had, that he was a work, like he was an actor, a stuntman that's playing a, a rat, um, and they just detained him, which is why he was a few hours late. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! Yeah, I'm playing the rat, and Liam Neeson's doing my voice. You know, so it's probably right. get away with this. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so Wesley, uh, he, get, he takes quite a few bites from this big rodent and mm. eventually um, he manages, he hears the popping sound so he thinks right very quickly, he rolls over so it catches fire and it does make a terrible squealing sound when mm. it catches fire but then he yeah. has to finish it off so he grabs his sword and he plunges his sword into it like two or three times and it sort of makes yeah. this noise doesn't it, it's really quite... <laughs> There was like sort of like pow noises when he does it as well, mm. didn't they? On like the impact and so it's like the music kind of goes, it's like pow. Almost. Oh, yeah. Oh, so they eventually make their way out of the fire swamp and he's like, uh, great, we've done it. Let's go. Come on. Uh, and lo and behold, because Humperdinck is the greatest tracker in all the land, they are ambushed. And uh, this this is just the arrogance of Wesley now. And he says, uh, surrender. You mean you wish to surrender to me? Then I mm. accept. Yeah, it's so great. It's oh, so dear. great. I love it so much. Uh, but no, they um they take them prisoner, and she says, "Look, if you let him live, I'll marry you. Um, but just let him live." So Humperdinck, and obviously this is all a big lie, but he says, "All right, no problem. We'll escort him back to his ship, and uh, he'll he can go on his merry way, and uh, we'll get married then. All right, fine." So you know. This guy is not going to be telling the truth. He's a nasty piece of work. So they take, uh, he goes off, Buttercup goes off with Humberdink and uh, he says, you know, as soon as we're out of sight, kill him. You know, don't worry about it. Don't take him back to his ship. And his count's like, yes, yes, of course. Don't worry about it. And then um, he says, what what does Count Regent say? He says, oh, we better get you back to your ship. And Wesley says, he says, we are men of action. Lies do not become us. He says, well said. Um, and then he says, what are you looking at? And he says, you have six fingers on your right hand. Mm-hmm. I know someone who's looking for you. And then he just gets knocked out by one of the guards. So this yeah, is the yeah. guy that Inigo has been yeah. looking for the whole time. <laughs> He's been here the whole time. I love it. I love it. It's great. I love how a story <laughs> comes together. <laughs> and we now take a visit to the Pit of Despair. The Pit of Despair. <laughs> yeah, that's oh, right. one of my favourite bits. This oh is where God, you got Mel. Is it Mel? Oh, Mel Smith. Smith. Mel Smith. That's right. Yeah, he turns up. Doesn't he? Yeah. 
he is yeah, pretty. So he plays um, this weird albino or albino um, torture guy who lives in the pit, and just his job is to assist the count with his torturing. So he's patching him up. So he sort of says, you know, where am I? He says, you're in the pit. <laughs> you're in the pit of despair. Um, don't try and get out of here because, you know, there's only three people in the whole land that know where this pit is. There's an ent- a secret entrance. It's only me, the count and the prince that know how to get in and out. And he's like, well, what's going on? You're going to kill me? And he's like, no, 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 we're going to torture you. And he's like, why are you patching me up? And he's like, well, you know, they insist on everybody being in peak health before we start breaking yeah. them. And he's like, well, I can take torture. And he's like, mm, I don't think you can. This is the machine. Mm. And we're like, what is the machine? Well, we'll find yeah. out in a bit later on. What the he does is. this really great bit. There's this whole bit because um, he's saying, oh, where's this to be tortured? And, it, and he sort of like does this comical nod. Um, sort of wide-eyed and mouth kind of slack-jawed and then Wesley says oh he can handle torture and in the same sort of manner he he shakes his head like uh, no and it really kind of reminds me of like this whole this whole kind of comedy just reminds me of sort of back in the day British humour like uh, like comedy sketches and yeah. things you know like Monty Python and all this kind of stuff it's that yeah. kind of typical British and um uh the word uh, quintessential kind of humor um and he kind of reminds me a little bit as well of matt lucas with that expression just of like nah. it's, it's quite it's like the carry on movies a bit isn't it yeah yeah that sort of thing from well well back in the day well that was probably introduced from uh, mel smith wasn't it because of the smith and jones wasn't it that they were yeah. on tv at that time oh i don't know that so. oh yeah they're like a sort of uh, british comedy actor at the time so Rhys uh, jones and mel smith they yeah, were really yeah, big so in the 80s and 90s with their uh, comedy I don't yeah know that. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. out. oh no you should check it out um so we'll come back to the them in a minute and what the machine is so we just cut now to what is actually a nightmare but we don't realize it initially so buttercup um she's married now and she walks out as queen buttercup to the kingdom and then we get this brilliant old hag don't we guys <laughs> yeah <laughs> and she's like <laughs> bow down to her the queen of slop the queen of filth the queen of putrescence she just really lays into it um can i um i, I don't interrupt that. i just wanted to um just this bit particularly for me has has a bit of a um a reminiscent for me um my uncle got me into this film but one of my uh, good friends um we always used to do this bit and um, I will always kind of remember this because, unfortunately, my friend passed away um, oh, just yeah. over a year ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, and not to bring down the mood of things. No, you know, that's fine, he, Kate. Was yeah, most, he was the most, like, jubilant, best sense of he was, he was called Michael Sleggs. And um, he was just one of the most funny people you'll ever know. But me and him, every time, like, we would, one of us would say something that the other one didn't agree with or that we were, like, shocked by. We'd go, BIM! Hmm. It didn't matter where we were, we could be in the pub, we could be in the street, we'd go <laughs> at each other. So I just wanted to just sort of like mark that because it would be for me it'd be wrong to talk about this moment and not and not mention him because it was just something that we just did all the time. Uh and, and it was so funny and it always just reminds me of him. So this moment it's it's a ridiculous scene. <laughs> but for some reason I always uh, feel brilliant. my heart felt and it's really out. fun uh, and also like she says to her why are you booing me and she says because you had it all and you threw it all away you had true love and then we cut oh. back to Fred Savage sort of saying hang on a minute grandpa what 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 is this what the hell is that he actually gets quite angry he's like what, what's going on what 
what the hell is this book you're reading me? And he's like, look, 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 listen. And he sort of says, calm down. I can stop reading it if you want. He's like, no, no, carry on. He's like, you sure? Because you seem really upset, you know. And he's really, by this point, Fred Savage is just so into this story now. As we are. Yeah. It's turned around for him, isn't it? Big time now. So he he doesn't want his grandpa to uh, not finish this story now, does he? Oh, you've got to hear it now, haven't you? Yeah. yeah. That's where he says the bit. Oh, no, it's later on. Sorry, no, carry on. So he wakes up. She wakes up. Mm. And actually, it's five days before the marriage. Um, ten days, sorry, before the wedding. She's the king, because in her dream, the king had died as well. But the king is still alive, so the Prince Abedin is down to still alive. They haven't got married yet. Um, so, whew, thank goodness for that. It was all a dream. So she realises off the back of this dream, she goes and says to Humperdinck, look, um, I'd, I'd let you know this, Humperdinck, uh, I'm going to kill myself if we get married. You know, straight <laughs> up. Um, you've got two choices. You either marry me and I kill myself, or you just let me go, because I want to go off with Wesley. And he sort of... Like, well, okay, yeah, I suppose that's fine. Um, what we'll do is we'll we'll find out where the Dread Pirate Roberts is. Apparently he's close to Florin at this time of year. So I'll send um my four fastest ships to find him and um you know, we'll, we'll track him down, we'll let we'll run up the white flag, let him know, you know, we've got a message and we'll let him know that you still, you know, you wanna be with him. And uh if if we can't find him then please consider me as an alternative to suicide. <laughs> it's so funny. It's such a great line. And he says it's so deadpan. That's so great. Consider me as an option. What a line. <laughs> just in case. Yeah, just in case he changes his nah, mind. Nah, I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, so it turns out that we find out now that Humperdinck was the one that hired Bettini and his oh, gang. And he'd hired them to kidnap and murder Buttercup um, to start, was it to start a war, isn't it? Yeah, it's the start of the war because he wants to invade, but he can't just invade. He has to have a reason. So he's he's an evil dictator, this guy, uh, and he's telling this to the Count, obviously. And so it all starts to make sense now. So now we really know who are the goodies and who are the baddies right now. Like It's all very, very laid out now. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, It's not very nice. Not very nice at all. He's not a very nice man. Very naughty boy. He says, he says, at the end, he says, you know, when I first hired them to uh, kidnap her, blah, blah, blah. Then he says, but it'll be so much more moving when I strangle her on our wedding night. (laughs) (laughs) He's kind of of horrible in a charming sort of way, isn't he, really? Do you know what I mean? It's all very sort of like charm tactics. Yeah, he just has this kind of, yeah, this sort of callousness, but it's it's done with such a kind of an air of... uh, I don't know what, yeah. It's, what you it, said. it's all you. It's all you guys said earlier. Said this whole film is kind of like the aesthetic is of like, well, not the. Um, it's like the sort of battle of wits, isn't it? The whole screenplay is a battle of wits instead of you. You've yeah, got action, yeah. but it's more about the dialogue and things like that. So, and yeah, also as well on that note, it's um, it's quite funny because I only literally <laughs> literally last night watching this again. Um, mm. I, you know sort of skipping forward a bit so i'm not going to go into this bit too much because we will get to it but it oh just we love a segue don't worry about that we love a segue <laughs> show, um it's um you know later on when they take him to the miracle max and then he has this whole thing and he thinks he's saying to, to he's bluffing mm-hmm. the whole time everyone is bluffing 
Yeah. Like especially Wesley, he um, you know he bluffs about um, who he is. He bluffs about you know bluffs in the Battle of Wits. Um, he you know everyone and obviously Prince Humperdinck is bluffing this whole time. Like th there's so many examples of when Wesley is bluffing. So it's quite funny that I don't know whether it's an intentional thing or what, but. Mm. You know, it's, it's and and then at the end as well when he challenges Humperdink and he yeah, can't and move, but bed, he's like, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to say the line because we'll do it later, and I don't want to ruin it because it's such a great line. But yeah, that whole bit, like he just bluffs the whole time, and that's how he wins a lot of his battles yep. is by bluffing. Um, so I just thought it's quite a funny, quite a funny thing. But they're also gentlemanly yeah. about it. <laughs> and a, a little bit of a segue here, guys. I've already thrown in a big ball here, but it's a, it kind of reminds me a little bit of Willy Wonka. Um, as well, he does the oh, same thing right, in the okay. chocolate factory because when um, Mike TV's mum says, you know, oh, what's going on here? And he says, sorry, just rewind. All things must be sent in the post and sent to me and let's continue. And it just, like, yeah. it doesn't really make any sense, but it does, doesn't it? Do you know what I mean? I think the Princess yeah, Boy yeah. kind of has that same sort of thing, doesn't it? <laughs> it's that kind of charm, isn't it? Just yeah. Like, oh, no, never mind, it's okay, don't worry, we'll sort it out in the end, kind of that yeah, that's it. whole blase sort of air. You having a laugh, Wonka? Why, are you having fun? <laughs> Sorry. That's <laughs> 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 right. <laughs> so a little bit of a Woody Wonka segue there. Sorry, guys, back to uh, Florida. Oh, no, I love the <laughs> it's not one of his bars, chocolate bars, the segue. <laughs> yeah, oh, this is it, yeah, yeah. You tried all the segue, all that lovely. <laughs> Yeah, um, and then this is um, also as well because they're going through the the forest and things on their way to Wesley, and um, the count asks whether Prince Humperdinck would like to attend, and then he says that great line: "Like you know how much I love watching you work, but I've got my country's fifth five hundred anniversary to plan, my wedding to arrange, yeah, my wife yeah, to murder, Gilda to frame for it. I'm swamped. <laughs> Get your health." He says, get some rest. If you don't have your health, you don't have anything. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> He's so sinister. There's something about his voice mm. that is just so sinister and creepy. It's yeah. so great. So um, the Count then enters through the secret tree, mm. uh, which is really cool. I always thought this was really cool. I love a, you know, a secret passageway. And he goes down into the, the pit of despair. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. I'm back. I think it's like what Kate said earlier, you know, walking through the woods. Sorry, Every time no. I walk through the woods, I'm always thinking I might find a tree with a secret passageway or something like that. I'm always thinking it. Well, I walking. saw you climbing in a tree the other day. Oh, yeah, there, that's actually. right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, that's oh, it. Oh, yeah. a little thing as well, actually, just um, just to help my dad recover from what I just said. But um, my dad, when I was younger, we, we, had, we lived right by this park, St. George Park in Bristol. And there was this massive, I don't even know what type of tree it was, but mm. it was huge. But it had this kind of like opening in. In, like the trunk of it and yeah. there was all these like spider webs and um uh like uh dandelion fluff caught in there and things but me being like you know under 10 and like five six years old he would tell me that's where the fairies lived yeah, and yeah. every yeah. time we went we took the dogs for a walk we would go by and i would like try and look mm. for the fairies but of course they were all asleep and they weren't they put cloaking devices on so you couldn't see them <laughs> but i've like for the longest time like i believe the yeah. trees the fairies lived in that tree and this is and when my daughter gets a bit older because we still live live in bristol um i like i'm gonna tell her that i'm gonna take her to that same tree and i'm gonna tell her that story because it's Aww. just that whole that whole wonder of stuff and and this is as well like sort of bring it back to princess bride so it's not too much of a segue. um it's that i think is what works so wonderfully about this film is that it's something that you loved as a child you grow up loving you still love as an adult and you can then pass on to your kids yeah. as well which i cannot wait to do for ava and i've got i've, I've sent the 
photos of it um, to RJ, he was curious, but I've got this beautiful big hardback cover copy um, with illustrations inside and it's all like leather bound and gold oh, paged and everything. Oh, I love that. Yeah, that's great. I it's cannot beautiful. wait to just dig that out and just read to her before bed. Oh, it's going to be so Aww. good. Anyway, sorry. Back to <laughs> <laughs> so they enter the pit of despair. Well, the, the count enters the pit of despair and he's like, right, um, I'm really into torture. So straight away opening up your conversation. And basically I'm going to, I've got this something called the machine. It's taken me quite a long time to develop. Um, it kind of works on the same principles as a water pump. Um, I'll t- explain more about that in a moment, but um, you know, here we go. Let's see what happens. And I'm going to write a book all about it. So um, I'm going to see what happens. So he puts it up to one year, doesn't he? And mm-hmm. this water starts pumping, all these suction cups on Wesley, and he screams, like, oh, and then it stops. And then uh, he says, right, so rather than sucking water, I've just sucked one year of your life away. Uh, mm. I might go as far as five years one day, but I just don't know what that would do to a man. So tell me how you feel. And obviously I'm writing this down for, for posterity. I'm making a book. So how do you feel? Yes. And be honest. And he just goes, <laughs> oh it's heartbreaking because Wesley is normally so quick with like a, with a, with his wit and he's mm. so optimistic this bit really gets me because he's like he is just in so much agony and he's just sobbing and it's just so unlike his character to be broken down yeah, like he's that. Really, it's really broken like, like I know it's kind of supposed to be funny but it really actually just makes me like sad <laughs> yeah it's uh it's it's it's, it's mean um Buttercup Buttercup discovers that Humberdink lied to her because she talks to him about their wedding and he says, all of my ships are going to be there to escort. And she says, hang on a minute, you said your four fastest ships are going to be searching for the Dread Pirate Roberts. And he's like, well, naturally, uh, not those uh, ships. She's like, yeah, you're lying to me. She said, well, it doesn't matter. He'll find me anyway. Wesley will come for me. She's very confident that this man is going to, because, you know, he, he... he beat up a giant. He defeated the greatest swordsman in the land. He climbed up a cliff. He sailed faster than anybody. Um, he's going to still come for her. She's very, very confident. He got her through and the virus. I think she's learned her lesson from last time. Like even death can't stop him, or suppose no death can't stop him. Because it's true love. But we'll come back to that. True love. Oh my god. <laughs> true love. <laughs> <laughs> so this this infuriates Humberdink, who he locks her up and he says, I would not say such things if I were you, because she basically lays into him and he, yeah, he locks yeah. her up. And this makes him so angry, he rushes off to the pit of despair and he whacks it up. Oh, to 50 hold on, years. Well, um Yeah, sorry, sorry mate, I don't mean to interrupt. There was a whole um bit because he's he sent out the brute squad to evict oh, the yeah. um, just before that bit, yeah. Um and there's a bit where, because um, this bit where Fezzik comes to get um, in the, um, Ignigo. Um, so if you, tell you what, you do. We'll, we'll, well, no, 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 you're that. right. I completely missed that bit off. Yeah. So, yeah. So meanwhile, just before that, sorry, Humperdinck is uh, ordered for the entire Thieves Forest to be cleared. So that it's easier for him to blame Gildor, etc. Um, I keep RJ. I keep wanting to say Gildor, not Gildor. Oh, you know what I mean? Hmm. <laughs> Magical things. <laughs> Catch um, your so keyboard. Together, hmm. <laughs> Sorry, it's the cosmic key. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, it's. A- <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so he, he puts together a brute squad uh, who basically <laughs> gather up all the sort of reprobates that live in the thieves' forest, yeah, and yeah. Fezzik is on the brute squad. 
um, which comes into play later on when he says, you know, you are the Brood Squad. You are the Brood Squad, yeah. Um, so he finds, he says, we've got everybody, but there's one Spaniard giving us some trouble. Yeah. And he's like, well, you give him some trouble. So they go up to him, and even when, and we find out it's an ego, and he's back on the booze. You know, he was an alcoholic, but he still is an alcoholic. He's back on the booze. He said, you told me to go back to the beginning, Vizzini. This is where I am. I'm back at the beginning. And yeah, he's, he's drunk he's, in the forest where he was found. They're he just still like, when the guy fights comes the guys over, off. When Bruce Cross comes over and he goes, hold there. And he goes, I'm not budging. Keep your hold there. So <laughs> the way that he pronounced it is like, hold there, which in Spanish means fuck. Oh, right. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I didn't know that. Oh. I did wonder why yeah. they keep your out there. Yeah, because it's funny means fuck. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is where he's reunited with Andre the Giant. Fezzik says... Oh, so nice. He says, hello. And he says, Fezzik. And they sort of... There's this little bromance bit between them. And he yeah. says, you don't smell so good. He says, you don't look so good. Oh, you don't smell so good. <laughs> So he spends a little bit of time nursing him now. We see a little montage where he's feeding him, he's getting him back in shape, he's dipping his head in hot water, cold water, hot water, cold water, mm. and he says, um, "Look, we know, uh, you know, uh, enough, enough. I'm ready. I want to go and kill Humberdink. What can we do? How can we kill Humberdink?" Um, oh, it's killing the uh, uh, court Rogan because he tells tells him that he's found the six fingered man. Don't know how he knows. I guess he must have just seen yeah, it. Yeah, this is one bit I didn't know how Fezzik knew about that. How does I he guess know? Because he's brute squad, he might have seen him. Mm. But then yeah, it's, sure. it's Yellen who who puts it together. I don't know. This again, it's one of these little things that doesn't really matter. But there will be blood tonight. A... There will be blood yeah. tonight. I love that. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So that's that little bit. Sorry, I completely missed that. And bit then off. yeah, and then it comes, and then it comes to the bit where she gives him how, and she says, "Yes, I am a silly girl for not having seen Sue that you are nothing but a coward with a heart full of fear." She's yeah. not a princessy princess. I love this about her. Even though she can she can come off as a little bit drippy, when when push comes to shove, she really stands on her own and really kind of fights back, you know? That's right. Really so that, that, that pushes Humperdinck then. So like I say, yes. she whacks the machine up to 50 years and even the count's like, not to 50? Yeah. Uh, and boy, oh boy, does it... Well, it just kills um, Wesley straight away. He screams so loud that the entire kingdom... Can yeah, and that's a horrible noise. That scream, isn't it? It echoes it's all around. Warped, the whole... isn't it? <laughs> it's like it's, it's it's almost inhuman, I guess, just to further emphasise how much agony he's in. And Fezzik and Inigo, they hear it, and he says, "Inigo mm. says, that's the sound my heart made when my father was killed, um, mm. and that that must be the man in black. Um, let's go to him." Uh, <laughs> it's, it's <right>. And. <laughs> There's a brilliant bit where he's trying to get through the crowd, isn't it? And he says, yeah. uh, <laughs> if he would, and he says, everybody move! <laughs> and yeah, they move, because you would. You'd take one look at that guy and be like, yeah, I ain't getting in the way of that. Oh, no. Is this the bit coming up now where he's got the sword and it kind of guides him to say where he's got to go? Yeah! Or I found right, this, yeah, they, this they, is they bloody hilarious. Yeah. yeah, by accident. I didn't mean to jog his memory so hard. <laughs> <laughs> he punches him on the top of the head, knocks him out, and then they um. I don't know what accident that was? He says, "Father, please guide my sword." <laughs> I love this bit. Yeah. Failed, <laughs> but he hasn't failed. No. Uh, and he finds a secret entrance. They go down and they grab Wesley, and he's dead. Uh, yeah. And this is where grandson's like, "Wait, he can't be dead." And grandpa's like, "Well, no, he's he's dead. That's that's it." And he's like. Grandpa, you're reading it wrong. This is wrong. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> You'll be <laughs> Is this where um, and then he, Grandpa he says, you get Humperdinck? No, I was going to say, is this uh, so? It kind of remind me a bit of a Columbo moment here with Peter Falk, you know, his grandpa, where he kind of goes, "Well, do you want me to end the story now?" Like yeah, that. yeah. He's got, like put his. It's like the you know, have you ever watched Columbo? He's kind of like that last final bit where he's trying to get the yeah. bad guy. That's okay. I can come back tomorrow. That's fine. Do you know what I mean? No, yeah, no, no. Come says, back, come back. Says, You're very tired. You yeah. know, you've been well, you've unwell. Been I understand. You know. That's okay. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. so, no, no. Please, please. <laughs> no, no. I'll keep reading. Oh, I'm okay. I'm okay. Yeah. <laughs> and Anigo decides that they're going to buy a miracle. Mm. So yeah. they go to Billy Crystal, Miracle yeah. Max, <laughs> and his wife, the witch, who is also the fairy from Scrooged. Oh, is that her? Um, is it? Yeah. yeah. And she, plays she, she plays Penguin's mother in Gotham, the TV oh, show. That's right. right she yeah, does. Yeah. She's also in. I think she's in Batman Returns, the Tim Burton one as well. Right. Is she? I think she plays Penguin's oh. mother in that, I think, no. as well. Yeah, really? yeah. She played his mother twice. Oh, Good home I home. love that. I haven't seen that that film in, like, forever, so mm. I, that, I didn't know. But, oh, I love that, if that's true. Now, this whole scene is just a pure showcase for Billy Crystal's amazing comedy mm. this mm-hmm. is just so funny he's this wrinkly old guy they knock on the door and he's like who are you and he's like i'm on the brute squad you are the brute squad and yeah <laughs> he says um oh he says something about humperdinck and he says oh why did you have to bring that up i was fired by him why don't you give me a nice paper cut and pour lemon juice on it while yeah. you're at it <laughs> <laughs> apparently yeah. um rob reiner couldn't stop laughing with Bree crystal as well he said he had to go off set because he was laughing so much when he was i there. mean yeah. he is Man- so mandy as well who, who plays help me out here Nigel montoya thank you um <laughs> i just don't want to end up swearing or something instead by mistake um so yeah, apparently um, he the only bearing in mind all the stunts this guy's doing, all the sword fighting, everything. The only injury that he sustained during the entire filming was a bruised rib due to stifling his laughter during these scenes. Amazing! Oh, he bruised his rib mm. from stopping himself from laughing at Billy Crystal. Like that <laughs> blows my mind. Like yeah. I have laughed so hard, and you we've all been in those situations when you're in the back of class and you're not supposed to be laughing. Oh yeah, and it's always it's sign, funnier, yeah. And you are literally trying to stifle your laughter in your coffin to try and have a... I've never bruised a rib. No, wait, that's like... mental. <laughs> but How do you do that? You, mind. you always laugh more when you know you're not supposed to, like you say, in the back of the it's classroom, the isn't it? You know, we had a, so a big um, mm. big meeting, a whole company-wide meeting, and it was a video one, and you never knew when you were on screen or not. Mm. And my team kept messaging each other funny stuff um, during up the meeting and then watching my face as I tried not to laugh. Mm. Um because it's a whole big company-wide thing. And um, yeah, it was really hard. I actually had to take my camera off. At <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you ever saw me th- during that meeting, Dan, at all. But uh, yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> Just laughing your head off. Yeah. <laughs> well, this whole scene now, basically, is them trying to persuade Miracle Max to, to bring this guy back to life. And he says, you know, what's the point? Why should I do it? And he says, this man is, um, his wife is crippled. He's got children. Yeah. He's like, Boy, are you a rotten liar? He's like, yeah. well, I'll tell you the truth. Basically, um, true my love. My been dead for twenty. Well, he says my father's been dead for twenty years, and I, I need this man to help avenge him or something like that. And he's like, your first story was better. That's right. 
and he says, uh, well, let's see what this guy's got to say. So he gets the bellows out and he pumps Wesley with some air. <laughs> and he says, hey, hello in there. Ooh. Hey, what have you got to live for? That's so special, hey? What's the point? And he pushes <laughs> down on him and he just says, true love. <laughs> and uh, he doesn't really want to do this job, Miracle Max. So he says, nah, true That's love is the greatest thing ever apart from an mlt you know with a mutton mutton <laughs> sandwich where the mutton is so lean they're so perky um yeah <laughs> but he says no but what he actually said is to blame which as we know means to bluff so i'm guessing you guys were playing cards maybe one of you cheated yeah, yeah. real um, quick dan yeah just, this is so much fun and i purely found this out when i was writing my notes as a pure like happenstance so glad that i wanted to make sure that my notes were correct because i'm a bit of a stickler like that so i wanted to double check that it was to blave because i'd never really heard that aside from this movie and then i put in blave um blave definition um in google the first thing that came up was urban dictionary right where it says meaning to bluff do not confuse it with true love amazing. What? <laughs> <laughs> like i literally i was like oh my god this is amazing yeah they've got a whole thing about it in uh, the urban dictionary for to blave how cool is that <laughs> love it well his wife Anyways. his wife comes out doesn't she now and she says you are a liar liar liar, liar. and she says come on you've, you've really lost the, your spirit since you got fired she basically says like come on true love come on how can you not take a job for true love she chases him around she does the famous humbling 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 she's like i told you never to say that and uh, and then um uh Inigo says hang on a minute if you bring this guy back to life he will stop humbling for getting married and he mm-hmm. says, what? If I bring him back to life, I cause him pain. He's like, we're talking eternal suffering and, and you know, humiliation galore. <laughs> that is a noble cause. Give me the 65. <laughs> I'm on the job. <laughs> I'm on the job. Uh, so they That's create a miracle, a miracle pill, which is about the size of, uh, I don't know, like an acorn. Mm. And he says, is that a miracle pill? And he's like, she's like, the chocolate coating helps it go down easier. <laughs> yeah. And they say all these advice, like, yeah, don't go swimming for after an hour after reviving all this kind of stuff. Mm. <laughs> and then uh, so they, they, about it. they take him off and we get the classic. Bye, boys. Have fun storming the castle. And does it work or not? Well, this is probably one wow. of my fa- favorite scenes coming up now with this cycle. Uh, yeah, I'm got, I've got a little bit of trivia about this as well. So. Yeah. Yeah, just I just say it now before we get into it. Yeah, go, go, for, go for it. it. Um, so this was the first day of seeing, uh, seeing, <laughs> shooting. Sorry. Shooting, yeah. Um, and so everyone's kind of like getting to know each other and stuff. <laughs> and apparently during this scene, right in the middle of shooting, Andre the giant lets off this massive fart. Oh really? Which oh, wow. not only was a giant fart, it's a giant God. fart. <laughs> this, is, this is what I've quoted from Kariawa's telling the story, yeah, which yeah. is on that that clip that I told you about. And apparently, apparently, it it was so strong that it lasted 15 seconds. <laughs> it shook the set so so much that people had to hold on to things, and the sound guy took off his headphones. <laughs> uh. <laughs> On top of that, so every because it's in England, all the all, everyone's British there pretty much, and there's this kind of very British sort of sensibility of just being very kind of polite and looking away, and the foot and there's a total dead silence on set, <laughs> apart from <laughs> apart from Andre, who just apparently has this biggest look of relief on his face, <laughs> <laughs> and Rob Ryan is the first to speak, and he says, 
Andre, you okay? And Andre responds with, I am now, boss. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> um, and then another bit as well is that, uh, which isn't as, as funny, I thought I'd leave it that, um, is the whole whole bit where um, uh, Fezzik is holding on to Wesley's head to like move him around and everything. That is just such a great bit, bit of um, comedic, like physical comedy. Oh, um, but that was actually on the day thought of by Carrie Alwers um, because he w- thought it'd be a really cool way of being able to showcase just how large Fezzik is because his whole hand just covers like Wesley's entire head. And um, yeah, and it just that whole thing was just like on the spot thought of. But for me, it, it really makes the scene because it just adds this extra layer of comedy, um, as well as emphasizing his size, as well as emphasizing Wesley's weakness, like his lack of strength and stuff. Um, I just thought that was really cool. That was just something that was on the day thought of. Because um, his hands sort of take up a whole person's head, don't they? Yeah, he used he would keep um, Robin White's head warm. He would mm, keep her warm. It, yeah by just putting his hand over and it would just encompass her entire scalp and it would just keep her warm when she was outdoors for a long that's, time. That's a hell of a hat, isn't it? God almighty. It's a hell of a hat. <laughs> tell you what, look at the IMD trivia. Like, some of this isn't just from IMDb, but a lot of the... Tri- there's a whole ton of IMD trivia like this. And I tell you what, for someone who looks up so much IMDb trivia, I have never seen such a set of heartwarming trivia. Like, it's just a loving. It's just a complete loving on that. It's just, I recommend anyone wants to feel good, go look up the Princess Bride trivia. Oh, And it always uh, shines through the movie, doesn't it? Do you know what I mean? When the actors oh, get on 100%. well together. Didn't they? So maybe Andre the Giant farting on set brought back Harry <laughs> Wells or Wesley back to life. Do you know what I mean? In some yeah, way, maybe it was nothing to do with the stone. Take a miracle! Yeah. I'll tell you what, that's a miracle. <laughs> this scene is—it's a good scene where I loved this when I watched it the other day. Where it's like saying, "Oh, yeah, do you think it'll work? How long would it take?" He just puts it in his mouth, and it's just like boom. He just comes boom. back in yeah. like instantly. <laughs> he says, "Who are you? I'll fight you all. Come on, what's going on? Why can't I meet?" Yeah. And he's like, "Oh, um, you've been mostly dead all day." And he's yeah. like, "What? What do you mean? What's going?" On. Who are you? He says, he says, let me explain. No, there's not enough time. Let me sum up. <laughs> Buttercup's about to marry the prince. We've got to stop the whole thing. There's 80 people guarding the gates. And he's like, ah, even in my best shape, I I would take me about a month to plan this. Yeah. All right. What are our assets? And he's like, uh, my steel, his strength, and your brain. He's like, come on anything else i'd love to have a wheelbarrow and he's like oh we've, we had a wheelbarrow what did we do with that wheelbarrow <laughs> <laughs> that's it and then oh yeah as well and then fezzik just put and he goes oh yeah what i would give for like a holocaust cloak and then all of a sudden fezzik just pulls <laughs> yeah. one out of his chest he says where did you get that out. miracle max he said i could keep it because it fit me so well oh, i love that <laughs> moment that's great i know and uh, wesley's just being quite snarky the whole time and fezzik just is just watching him just like smiling and he's so unperturbed by it always just like ah oh, it's just he's my mate now you just wiggled your finger doesn't that make you happy oh. listen 80 men to take down a wedding to gate crash humperdink to kill and you think a little head jiggle makes me happy yeah, <laughs> oh look at he's always so encouraged like, oh you're moving your head now you're getting better well done <laughs> i've always been a quick healer i love that you just wiggled your finger i've always been a quick healer oh, <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. And yeah, that whole thing as well is just another example of like bluffing, you know, with uh, with the whole Dread Pirate Roberts bit mm. as well. 
Of course. So um, their plan, their plan is a massive bluff. Their plan is so they basically dress up Fezzik in the Holocaust cloak, um, set him on fire while he's on the wheelbarrow. So he looks even more intimidating as he glides towards the troops. Yeah. And he sort of screams this intense sort of, "I am the Dread Pirate Roberts. I've come for your souls. You know, I yeah. I survive anything, but tonight there will be no survivors." And he screams all of this stuff at them. But all of that is going on whilst we are introduced to the priest who is in the oh, process. <laughs> marrying Humberdink and Buttercup. Now, I've got a story, Kate, relating yeah, to um, this wedding. So, my sister got married uh, five or six years ago, and as as I've explained, it's a, this film is a massive thing in my family. So, she was getting married, and I was... Um, she's in a same-sex relationship, so I was able to... I was allowed to marry them, but it was a kind of a bonding uh, oh, wow. ceremony with, like, um, rope and stuff, and I would have to say certain... Um, Po- poetical things i can't really remember it now but oh, yeah. cool. so i was allowed to like conduct that for them which is beautiful and lovely That's of them so to nice. do that. um but i started it with everyone gathered around there's probably about 60 70 people there and i started and i looked around and i looked at my sister and my soon-to-be sister-in-law and i sort of thought i'm gonna do it and i do went marriage oh no <laughs> and, and my sister like cracked up a bit and i thought that was a real risk it could have really ruined the moment but actually it just and then I just moved away from that and I did the proper ceremony bit. But I thought I, I can't. It's the only time in my Chuck life. Chuck a little bit in there, yeah. Dan, if you, oh, if, if I ever, if, like, if I ever ever get married, we're engaged. But if we ever actually get around to get married, and if uh, there's some some possibility that you end up marrying us, um, you have my full permission. Like <laughs> I'm just saying that now. You have my absolute and, and, this, full permission. and this is Peter Cook, isn't it? Doing this, so yeah, yeah, that's it. Another out of the blue. <laughs> British comedy yeah, I was going to say yeah totally like another yeah. staple of British comedy and he does yeah, this yeah. whole marriage marriage is what brings us together that blessed mm. arrangement and you're like what why have they put this into the story this is just but again it works it, it adds works another... so well it's just another line to quote as it's well. almost the same yeah. as what they did with Mel Smith where they probably, the director probably just said just do what you do in your comedy world so they kind of bring yeah, that sort yeah, of bit totally. into it, don't they? So, yeah. yeah, it's all 100%. Like that it's so great. Mm. Yeah, totally. Uh, so they're married and he, while the while the plan outside is happening with the Dread Pirate Roberts, um, the, he says that, Humberdink says to the priest, just skip on, skip on quickly. He says, he goes, skip to the end. And I've got to, sorry, Dan, I've got to, because I, um, it, it sort of occurred to me yesterday when I was watching it. It's Spaced. Like, skip to the end. Yes, yes, that is. It's got to be, right? <laughs> they, they wouldn't have just said that. Yeah, that can't be a coincidence. Sorry, I think I think space probably reference. They probably did reference Princess Bride when they say that because that is like a bit of a thing in space, isn't it? Skip to the end. Skip to the end. <laughs> yeah, but it's not like something like that you would just say. It's not like oh, hurry up, pal, like or anything. That's just like a normal conversation. Saying skip to the end is kind of. I mean, I've always thought of it for space, but then I watched because I haven't actually watched this film in a couple of years, and then I, I watched this and I was like, wait, wait. <gasps> That's where it's from. And it just made me love the line even more. Honestly. Skip to the end. Uh, so he marries and basically, basically just goes, blah, 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 you're married. And that's that. So that's done. And while that's happening outside, um, all the guards have run away because you've got this giant on fire heading towards you. You know, you're not, let's run away. They will run off. Apart from the guy um, who holds the key. He's like the main, the chief guard, isn't he? Yeah, That's right. And they, they, they corner him and they say, uh, Give us the gate key. And he says, I have no gate key. And he says, Physic, tear his arms off. Oh, you mean this gate key? This gate key. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wonder how 
oh, like these kind of jokes. Like I know that they're like, you know, there are um, a few people I know in America who really do get like the British kind of sarcastic comedy kind of thing. Um, but I wonder like how this sort of plays in America. Because I does. don't know like tons of Americans have seen it. Do you guys I, know? Yeah, it does. Yeah, I was quite surprised I when think, I was I doing so. um, Dude Looks Like the 80s with Ricky Morgan when he actually came out right. and said, oh, we loved uh, the young ones and um, yeah, yeah. Bottom. And I was like, really? I was like, I can't <gasps> believe so you guys funny. get that humour because that is so... Such a British sort of sense of humour, you know what I mean? Going back in the day, so yeah, so yeah, apparently they oh, do more than we think. That warms so. my. Um, this is that famous poster scene, isn't it, RJ? Because just before they before they get the key, they um, yes. he grabs the portcullis and shoves yeah. it up. And this is this you were talking about this very early poster, in the episode yeah. where you said about the posters, mm. and this was the poster that was everywhere. That Loved picture it. of Andre the Giant mm. holding up the gate, yeah, yeah. The two swordsmen. Princess Buttercup cup in the middle, and it's like this looks like it's mm. going to be epic. What's this film? Yeah, I remember That's that. My DVD cover. That's what I've got. I love that oh, it's poster. So good. That poster just pictures the whole and everything that goes on. Like you say, in that poster goes on in this movie, doesn't it? You, it's mm-hmm. there it basically. Yeah, no so, false yeah. advertisement. Yeah, it's great, man. Oh yeah, we got it all going on there, mm. man. I mean, and the fact the poster says, let me just read this to you guys. It says, a Rob Reiner film, The Princess Bride, PG, heroes, giants, villains wizards true love it's not just your basic average everyday everyday ordinary run-of-the-mill fairy tale and it's like that even the even the poster even the front cover of the vhs and the dvd it's got jokes on it yeah yeah this film knows what it's doing it's just a joke like but but done in a very it's a clever joke it's not a silly joke it does what it says on the tin yeah it does what it says on the tin there we go it plays into it and it just has fun and so as an audience member you just have fun and it doesn't yeah so good i love that tagline honestly it's one of my all-time favorite taglines do you have the wing the wing (laughs) but yeah so they get the key from the guard um they get inside and and you go well, first of all he spots the count but the count's got all of his men with him and he mm. says he says what does he say um kill the other two but save the third for questioning and yeah. they try and approach Diego Montea and he as we know he's a badass he just takes out all these guards like boom boom just boom boom annihilates them in one go and then he says is this he doesn't say it yet does he yeah yeah I think he does right now yeah he throws it in quite quick doesn't he Hello. Oh, Hello. Right. Go on, throw it away, Kate. I can't take this one away from you. Go on, Kate. Go on, go on, Kate. No, take Dan, you do, because I'll end up All right, Dan, up do you take name. it. <laughs> Hello, my name is Aniga Montea. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Um, and the, the count just goes, pew! <laughs> he just <laughs> runs off. Oh, my gosh, yeah. And he runs off, runs down and says, locks the door, and Fezzik's left with, uh, Wesley and they sort of look at each other like what it's so funny because Wesley still can't stand up so then right. he, uh, he can't and he, he hangs can't him get up in the room the bar, doesn't he? yeah he hangs That's him up and he says like, like, I've got to go and let help him out because he can't break the door down he walks up to the door slaps it the whole thing falls down and he goes there you go and he runs in the room he gets a knife thrown at him he goes into him and he says uh, you must be that little Spanish brat I taught a lesson to all those years ago. Have you been tracking me down all this time only to find out? I think that's the worst thing I've ever heard. And uh, he pulls the knife out. Marvellous. Yeah. Oh, it's just sleazy gear, isn't he? Yeah. (laughs) And he says, um, there you go, go for it. Go on. I was just going to say, because this scene is obviously quite an important scene. So I don't know. I don't want to be interrupting later, but um, every, every mark that, 
he gives to um, Inigo on the in the stomach, the shoulder, the arm, the two cheek slashes, everything is mirrored by the wounds that he then gets in return later on. That's right. They're all exactly the same, which I didn't really notice until like uh, watched a couple of times ago. Um, and sadly, uh, Mandy Patinkin's dad actually passed away a couple of yeah. or so before this scene was shot. Oh, no. So when he, so this is a bit you were about to say, Ajay, which is when he says, you know, don't yeah. kill me, don't kill me. And he's like, all right, offer me anything. He's like, I'll give you money, give <laughs> me anything. And he says, um, when he says, I want my father back, you son of a That's bitch. It, and that yeah. he channeled the fact that he yeah. just lost his own dad when he said that which is why when you look at his face when he says that the intensity the grief everything is there and yeah. what a great thing for an actor to do to use that and, and do that and he stabs him and he's done the count is done Ooh. yeah for him it was like the six-fingered man was the cancer that got his father yeah yeah and he he had this he had he had this whole thing of if he if before he got the um job and everything and he was like if, if i can get this job if i can get this role if i can nail this and if i can get the six-fingered man and the six-fingered man is cancer i could have my father back oh it just breaks my heart like because he said this yeah. in this interview and it's just so powerful um but there's a line later on so that so he obviously gets the hello my name is line like every day of his life and he loves it but there's this line later on which we'll get to um but um, it, which he, is actually his favourite line because it's since watching it, he watched it. It was on in the background. His wife had it on um, apparently, um, and then he sort of heard the line that he says um, because at the time he was very he was very young. He was only twenty three, and um, which blows my mind because no offence, he looks way older than twenty three. Yeah, he but, does, yeah. <laughs> um, but he's only twenty three, and he'd, he'd lost his father, and he was so angry. And you know, why has this happened to me? Why have I lost him? And, and this kind of very—he said he, his words. He said that he was very sort of spoiled about it, and very sort of self-involved about it. And just why has this happened to me? And he's just so angry. And then there's a line later on, which we'll get to. I won't say now, mainly because I don't have it in front of me, and I can't remember the exact wording. Um, but it, it sort of—it really resonated with him just to sort of let it go. Um, it's about revenge and just like to let yeah. it go and to let go of the anger. And it was only like years and years later watching it and he heard that back, it was kind of like, oh wow, yeah, that like this scene, I was just saying the scene, this these lines, and I had no idea actually how true to my own life they were. And it's just, re again, it's just really powerful. And again, it's just, it's those little things that really like make this movie. You can see that passion as you're saying, Dan, you can see it in his face. Um, and it's just, and it just really makes it such a powerful moment. I think. And there's a lot about this scene because the score mirrors the sword slashes and the sword blows, doesn't mm -hmm. it? It's mm -hmm. like dun, 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 as they as they hit with the sword, and he keeps yeah. repeating that one line over and over again until the very end when he's like, "Hello!" and he's really shouting oh, at God, him, yeah. pissing him off so much, and he's just like, "He's done it. He's killed him." While he's killing him, while he's killed Goosebumps. him, Buttercup is got a lovely dagger and she's about to plunge it into her own heart isn't she however one of the most <laughs> charming lines you'll ever hear <laughs> is uh, she's just about to kill herself and you hear there's a shortage of beautiful breasts in the world be a pity to waste yours oh it's a cracking line <laughs> isn't it oh alas <laughs> I bet he yeah, said that, that one in there from time to time he said oh. that in a recent tweet because there was talks about re remaking 
the Princess Bride, which is just I, I'm not, I'm not a, a hater of remakes. I think they can be done really well. <clears throat> Shout out to Suspiria 2018. Um, <laughs> but um, but this movie, there's just there's no need for it. It's not set in the past. It's set in the past, but it's in another world kind of thing. It's there's no need. And he wrote this tweet out, which is sort of like a paraphrase of this, and he was like, "There's a shortage of perfect movies in this world. It'd be a piss and pity to ruin this one." Oh. And it was just like it, that's all he did, and it was like ah. He That's wins amazing. Twitter. He wins the internet. Like, <laughs> well, they they have remade this in a way, haven't they? Have you guys seen the thing during lockdown um, where lots of celebrities? Oh, yeah. uh, I think Kate really posted that on the page, that. didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Even like right. Dave Bautista mm. at one point plays Fezzik. You know, Jack, yeah. Jack Black is the man in black. But it's yeah. it's about thirty or forty celebrities doing different roles. It's really and they funny. They all do, and they go through the whole thing. Yeah, they it's do the brilliant. Whole movie. It's wonderful. There's um. They are talking about, and they've been talking about it for the last two or three years, doing a, a musical yeah. version of this. Now, that would I think that would be fantastic if they that did it right. So uh, with things like um, Hamilton. Is it Hamilton? Came yeah. The, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Stuff like that. That's like obviously got a lot of hype behind it. I think if you did it right, this would be a fantastic musical. Fantastic. But even just a stage play, I would quite like to see this as a stage play. If, you if can imagine the set piece, like the set design would just be fantastic. It would be fantastic. Um, Carrie Albers actually got asked about this, and would he reprise as well? And he was like, "No, I'd be old enough to be the grandfather." Now, which makes me <laughs> um, but he said uh. that he, if there was, he would be petitioning for an entire song to be done about peanuts because it's his favourite line. <laughs> I think I am uh, here for that. I would definitely be here for that. That sounds amazing. <laughs> Well, so Wesley uh, stops Buttercup by talking to her. She realises he's on the bed. She jumps on him and starts kissing him and cuddling him. And he's like, hang on a minute, I can't move, you know. Um, gently, gently. Uh, yeah, she drops his head crack. And then Humberding enters the room and he says, oh, here you are. And he says, um, well, I can't remember how it starts off now, but this is where he brings his, I'll fight you. Yes, you want to fight me to the death? No, to the pain. He's like, I'm not yeah. familiar with that that and he says to the pain is where i cut off um both your hands at the wrist and both of your feet uh at the, at the mm -hmm. ankles yes and then my ears no 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 no, not your ears then your nose then your eyes and then you yes and get it no 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 you keep your ears because i want you to everywhere you go i want people to you to hear people screaming dear god what is that thing um yeah that is what to the pain means so that is Fucking straight out of a horror movie, really, that is, isn't it? That sadistic, is sadistic, isn't it? That is that, sadistic. It's going to chop him up so bad that the rest of his life, people are going to go, "What the hell is that over there? That is horrible." Is this <laughs> where he offends him as well with some dialogue as well? Where he says, "I'm going to use, I'm going to use what you understand. You know, short words, small words, because that's all you can understand." He says, uh, like that, mass. And he says, uh, "It's yeah, possible." Yeah. He says, "He says, yeah, I don't think you've got the strength to stand up." He says, "Well, that's possible, pig." Mm. <laughs> I might be bluffing. It's conceivable, you miserable. He just throws man. one more in there. Than he I like the strength to stand. And then he goes, but then up. again, perhaps I have the strength after all. And then he, he gets up very slowly, but quite confidently. And then he just stands on his own, holds. It's such a great shot because he holds the sword directly at the camera, looking directly yeah. at the camera as though looking straight down at Humberbank. And he goes, "Drop your sword." And um, he just like all the cowards, like all the cowards in this movie, the kind and now the Prince Humberdy, Humberdy doesn't even blink. He chucks his sword down no. and then he says, yeah. thank you, take a seat. And he jumps in the chair and he says to Buttercup, tie him up, make it as tight as you like. Uh, and then he falls over and he says, I knew you were bluffing. I knew, oh, I knew you were bluffing. And he's like, yeah, I've been mostly dead all day. I really don't have any strength at all, really. But again, Kate, as you said, through bluffing, they've defeated him. Oh, they tie him up. up. 
It's such a fuck yeah moment though. Like there's several moments. Obviously the bit is like, you know, um, I want my father back, you son of a bitch. That bit and this bit is just like I will fist pump to the end of the day over these those moments. And they're reunited. Indigo runs in the room and he's like, I've dispatched the count and he's like, Oh, here's Humberdeek. Do you want me to finish him as well he's like no 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 i want him to live i want him to live with all the shit that he's done and how horrible he is as a person a don't worry about life that with the and um this is where they get to the window uh and they hear hello and hello lady <laughs> that's the line so that i say all the time hello lady <laughs> and he's like uh, oh you got the horse and he's like yeah um you know i got i got one each and i thought if we find the lady you know hello lady hello lady, <laughs> hello, lady. <laughs> And this is that line now. So they sort of say, right, well, we'll all jump out the window. So they throw Buttercup down in that beautiful yeah. slow motion where she lands on Fezzik and her dress is on his head. That's probably wasn't even meant to happen, but it looks so cute. And he sort of smiles at her and she smiles at him. And then he says, after yeah. you. Cool. So, yeah, so she lands on him yeah. and her dress sort of catches on his head. And I'm sure that was probably a little bit ad-libbed, but it looks really cute anyway. And they sort of look at each other. And that just leaves Inigo and Wesley um, looking at the window. And he, this is the bit, Kate, you were talking about, isn't it, where right. he says it's lying now. Because um, he says to him, well, well, you've done it now. What are you going to do? So what was the line that you mentioned much earlier on? Um, um, that meant, so, to him? Yeah, I, I actually don't, I don't have it, but um, I can kind of, remember it a little bit so it was something like um you know my whole my whole life i've i've been um searching for vengeance to you know to avenge my father um and now this is all over i don't really know what to do mm. and obviously like before like he was so caught up with the anger of his own father's death and things that he kind of lost all foresight about what was really kind of important and um and all those kinds of things so it really resonated with him but it's, it's also just a really kind of because usually with films as well like they they and with vengeance, they usually say, well, you know, take two body body bags. Mm -hmm. um, and this is kind of like the only time that I've really seen where someone has vengeance but doesn't end up being worse off for it. He's had his vengeance. But uh, but now I suppose the thing is, is that he's kind of lost because that's all he's been his whole life. Um, I've got the yeah, line here, then, actually. Oh, he, says, it? oh, uh, he says, it's very strange. I've been in the revenge business for so long. <laughs> now that it's over, I just don't know what to do the rest of my life. Oh. Yeah. And, and uh, this is where Wesley says, he says, have you ever considered piracy? I think you make a, dr a wonderful Dread Pirate, Roberts. <laughs> and he would. He, <laughs> he would, would as well. He'd be brilliant. <laughs> oh, so they all ride off on the horses. Uh, Kate, you mentioned to me earlier that um, uh, something there's problems with Andre's back on the horse. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, basically, yeah, so when, when Buttercup leaps from the window, um, she's actually on, like, um, police. Um, because Andre's back from wrestling was just so damaged that he couldn't actually, didn't have the strength, kind of ironic considering how his stature, um, but he didn't have the strength to, to hold her. Um, and so, yeah, she was on she was on police. And that's, I think, one of the reasons why you don't see them all jump down. It's only really sort of her for that lovely effect of her dress flowing through the air and things. Yeah, and they all ride off on the horses. And we get to the bit now where they sort of go to kiss and just before anything really happens we cut back to grandpa and he closes the book and grandson's like hang on a minute is that it and he's like well it's kissing you wouldn't, More you, wouldn't kissing. Like it. you don't want that and he's like well maybe this bit's gone go on finish up grandpa don't, i don't mind so much um and then <laughs> kate you can say this bit because i know you've probably got that um up. yeah I do. <laughs> um so uh, it says since the, I'm not going to do his voice. I can't do that voice, so you just have to cut up with mine. I'm afraid. It's fine. Carry um, on. You, you have done so far, so well done. Um, the, since the invention of the kiss, there have been five kisses rated the most passionate, the most pure, 
this one left them all behind. And they have a nice long snog. And, uh, a real one, it's apparently. A good real, <laughs> real one, yeah. Oh, yeah. Real good. Well, we went on and on and on. Mm. It's a really lovely shot there as well because, um, and like, it's a really, it is a great kiss, but they, they're both sort of sat astride their horses. They're facing each other. You've got the sunrise in the background. It's causing this kind of, the sunlight sort of glowing around them. She's got this massive crown on, you know, and like all of this. And it's just, it's all very, very romantical. And Grandpa says, there we go then. I'm off now. And he starts checking himself, you know, have I got, oh, right. Okay. 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 And he's patting himself down, make sure he's got his glasses That's and everything. Old man thing, Just one know. more question. <laughs> <laughs> Just one more thing. Well, one more thing. <laughs> one Fine. more thing. Um, and he says, well, I'll see you kiddo. He just kind of leaves, but he, kn- he knows what's coming because Fred Savage says, hang on grandpa. If you want, you can come back tomorrow and read the book to me again. And he says, mm. as you wish. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and that's it and we get the beautiful um, score the, the song by Mark Knopfler Ferry Book oh yeah Love, that's right yeah um, he does yeah, score, Dire Strait mm. which I yeah. don't know which um, I I had play at my wedding um, oh, and right. my brother had play at his wedding because we both that, that song means so much to our family so um, it's a great score it's a beautiful song and it's a great way to wrap up just a beautiful film really overall a lot of fun yeah. Yeah, it's funny how you said you had it at your wedding, your brother's wedding. I'm not married yet; we're engaged. Um, but I want to involve it in my wedding as well. Um, I've just, there's a whole, like a whole load of music from movies and TV shows that I think just demonstrate real, uh, real yeah. wonderful love stories. And I want to have like the love themes playing, like while we're getting our photos taken and people are kind of milling about a bit. Um, like I'm going to get some bits to make that part less boring for everyone. But over the top, I want to have all of these love themes kind of playing, and this will definitely be yeah fantastic be and i think rj um yeah. you'll appreciate this but obviously kate you will as well like, mm. I, I think you know like rj talked about how like with the goonies that yeah. kind of inspired me to do my first kiss and stuff this movie, <laughs> yes this i do movie, remember that actually yeah <laughs> in the computer cupboard yeah <laughs> but this, um. <laughs> this, this movie kind of at a very early age instilled in me what i assumed true love was you know true well, love is something that, yeah. that death cannot overcome yeah. true love is stronger than anything uh, and i still mm. really feel that way now i feel that that even though people kate to quote you like people come in and out of your life um be them you know partners friends relatives whatever yep. but love will always overcome and mm. and yeah. that may sound like a soppy sentiment but no. i actually genuinely believe it and i think i know you two probably do as well you know it's uh, a beautiful uh, well, yeah, yeah. this is uh what i think all three of us are here today talking about this movie you know um it's as you've heard in my show i think films do if you can relate to them in some ways or they can bridge you to something like what you just said there dan with like true love and things like that like the fairy tale thing then it's word for you isn't it and i don't see anything wrong with that do you know what i mean it's kind of teaching you like about love and everything yeah and and the funny thing is because i've I've kind of just sat back a bit here and listened to you guys you know talking about this film and i love it because i can hear the the excitement in your voice, like you said, Kate, you know, you're excited about this film. So you, Dan, is a big part of you, do you know what I mean? And um, I, I'm sort of thinking, wow, there's so much in this film. And I think the most important thing is, is that even though this film is a fantasy, it's relatable. Because there are yeah. there are castles, there are woods, 
there are places you can still go to now, which are probably more important with 2020. I'll say you go into the woods and have a adventure and you can get oh, lost. Yeah. And, you know, cool. and I'm a big fan of that, as you know, you know, I'm posting pictures yeah. of castles on the Facebook and things. Um, and I <laughs> yeah. think this is why this film can grab yeah, you. Like you know. yeah. <laughs> yes, that's it. Indiana Jones had a big effect on me, guys. I'm just saying. <laughs> Same sort of really? way, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but no, this is no, great, you know. Yeah, I just, <laughs> this is it. This is the thing. And um, these are things, like you said, Kate, something you want to pass on to Ava, you know, when she gets a little yeah, bit older no, exactly. to recognise this film, you know. And, and, and Arjo, how did your daughter find this? Like, does she, is she a fan of it? Absolutely or, loves it. Know? Yeah, she loves it because um, she's, uh, the 80s is a big impression on her because of me, because I'm always talking about mm-hmm. it. But, um, you know, she's she sat down and she's... Because I didn't see her for a little while, like, with the lockdown. One of the nicest things she said to me was, look, you know, Dad, I can't wait to see you. And I said, it'd be great. What do you want to do when you come up? She goes, I just want to watch a film with you, Dad. And, oh, yeah, that's so cute. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. it's the simple things, isn't it? Simple things that kind of draw you together. Yeah, yeah. It's like what you were saying, Dan, you know, you and your family sat down on a Sunday and just, you know, cracked on a movie and you'd watch this or you'd watch something else. And, and it's just, you know, you can, like, I, it really kind of bugs me when people kind of downplay movies and, like, imp- the importance of movies and the importance of, cult- of culture. And, oh, you're just sat in front of a TV. It's like, you're not, mm. it's not the same. It's not the same as just sort of watching endless sort of rubbish going around on television it's it's storytelling it's mm. it's visuals it's enjoying something together with your friends your family you get some food in you get some drinks in and yeah. you just it's a shared moment uh, it's an experience isn't it? it's, it's really an experience and like you know so i don't mind like you know if my little girl is watching movies and stuff because it's something that we'll do together and as she gets older i only want to encourage that yeah. um and, and 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 you know standard storytelling like book, you know reading books and things mm. um is equally as important but yeah I, I absolutely put stock into these experiences because i tell you what growing up as i said my uncle that's all we did yeah. We, yeah. Just sat we watched movies and and tv shows like buffy and things there you go school card um <laughs> You know, and and, and, we, and that was it. And it was my week, and I loved it. And he lived out in the countryside. And yeah, we we would play outside. We'd go for walks and those mm. things as well. But I tell you what, I really look forward to coming in, having dinner, and sitting watching Star Wars with my uncle and eating oh. like my weight in ice cream. Love you know, it, those are the moments that mm. I really cherished in my childhood. Yeah. So I I snub anyone who says who says that films aren't important. They are completely important. Yeah, totally, absolutely. And uh, Dan, that's including Shark versus Octopus as well, mate. I'm oh, even, I mean, yeah, even Shark versus uh, Mega Piranha versus Werewolf Pandas. <laughs> Sharknado. I've got to watch next. And, and Velocipasta that we, we <laughs> together. Velocipasta. <laughs> it's, it's where Dan goes. I've just watched Sharknado and he's gone, cool, oh, that really connected with me, that did, in some way. Felt <laughs> 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 a connection there. <laughs> Quicksand Shark. Don't forget, RJ, yeah. we're writing a script called Quicksand Shark. So sure. that'll be the one that really connects with our audience. <laughs> oh, we, yeah. I'll be front row and centre for that, guys. A Ouija event. Shark versus Shark Exorcist. Yeah, that's it. There oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I just, and that's the, that's the thing, isn't it, where, you, where we were saying earlier mm. about being a, being a fly on the wall in the writer's room mm. watching how they they came to the conclusion that that was the plan. Yeah. yeah. That was, that yeah. was the movie that they were going to make. Hell yeah. <laughs> Just get some funding for this guy. Oh, Let's go for man. It. <laughs> yeah, this is it. Yeah, it's green light this film now. So, oh, I'll, I'll contribute. Sure. 
<laughs> well, this has been great today, guys. I've really enjoyed this. Um, like I say, it's um, as I said, Kate, this is podcasting, you know, like as in kind of things just go with the flow and just let it let it go, you know. So, uh, it's uh, no, it's so much, it's just a ton of fun, really. So, uh, in it so yeah 100% thank, thank, thank you, you for having us on both of you. and oh, thanks Sam for letting me tag along with this because um, because I said I messaged RJ and I just sort of said gen- generally like I'd love to do an episode and then and then he came back and said and because it, it was quite funny because he said about the Princess Bride and you guys had just I think maybe you had said to me that you were doing the Princess Bride or something mm. and I was like oh my gosh I'm so jealous but I didn't say about doing it because I was like no that's an episode you guys already have kind of no, it's fine. Like, do something new and then when he and then when RJ you came back to me and said do you want to get on the Princess Friday one mm. I was like yes yes yeah. I do yeah. yes I yeah. really do I mean yeah sure <laughs> I mean cool yeah whatever I mean it's fine whatever you want no worries yes um, Kate no I'm know, thrilled so I mean tag along with that one and thank you RJ for, no, for letting me come and sharing it, the magic of your show it's nice to have you here Kate do you know what I mean it's what Bite Size Cinema is all about as I said before we're just having a party just getting some people yeah. on board yeah. and we're talking about movies and that is my objective object, I put my teeth back in my object, objective <laughs> God, sound like bloody Max Hedrin um, my objective from the start is just for us guys just to have a bit of fun on the show and getting yeah. you guys on board well I've already so. sent you a, even before recording I've sent you a whole bunch of lists I'm like right if you oh, want me back yeah. on these ones <laughs> <laughs> um, but no but, Kate yeah. um, if you you know you want to come back on board I've got, I've got one in mind really I think all three of us would probably agree was a film called hot rod um, oh god cool beans cool beans i haven't seen it mm. have you not seen <laughs> I it kate? Even, i think we even have it and i, right. and I don't think i've ever seen it well have a look at it kate see what you think if you want I'll to jump on board yeah for yeah that. yeah mm. we could have maybe it might be quite that. an interesting aspect to have like two sort of like you know um people have seen it for a long time and then have a newcomer sort of with their Yes, yeah, yeah. I so I think it would be your, sense, be your sense of humour. Yeah, I think we do sure, have it. I'll but, check it out. Yeah. Um, but Dan, what are you, um, I know you're doing John Carpenter next for your show, mate. Uh, yeah, that's right. We're, uh, so next episode of the podcast on Haunted Hill, I think it's 96. We are doing They Live and we are doing Escape from New York. And both of those movies um, really have a lot of relevance to what's going on in the world at the moment really yeah, with the time. rich yeah. and the poor divide and a lot of stuff with you know they live especially there was a lot of stuff in that great movies absolutely fantastic i'm looking forward to that so that's what we're doing next on our show fantastic mate looking forward to listening to you guys talking about that film so thank you oh, yeah, yeah um, me too so yeah thank you guys thanks Dan thanks Kate um, like I say I can hear it in your voices I think you guys have had a good time today talking about this movie so really have. Uh, thanks for coming on board and like I say we'll try and get something together again so me and Dan are going to be back for we're going to be doing Unbreakable next aren't we to get on the show we are indeed a bit of Bruce Willis a bit of yeah. Samuel L. Jackson I know who I am they call me Mr. Glass. <laughs> <laughs> so look out for that, guys. And I've got a couple of short episodes turning up soon as well with um, Jill, the uh, Spielberg 19 pre-Jaws yeah. 70s movie. So nice. I'll be having a look at that. Lovely so. movie. Okay, so um, there you go, guys. Hope you enjoyed the episodes. Um, I am a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network, so please go and check out all the other shows, including Dan's show, Podcast on Haunted Hill. Um, if you want to listen to the show, um, check it out on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, several other players on the internet. If you put in Bite Size Cinema Podcast Legion, 
and I'm very active on the uh, Facebook page so if you want to post any comments or any films that you want me to take a look at post it on there so there you go guys um, what should we say guys as you wish as you wish (laughs) (laughs) keep it bite size keep it safe and I'll see you soon show then make sure you check out the other great shows on the legion podcast network like cinema psyops cinema beef devour the podcast duncan and Bo come correct exploding heads horror movie podcast friday the 13th get slayed the hell Ming power hour hello this is the doom show hero hero ghost show kill the cast underwater kaiju from outer space jerry hates action legion after dark mental health obsessive cinema discourse Pick Six Movies, the podcast by the cemetery, the podcast on Haunted Hill, the Psycho Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shade Cast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Which Versus the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found.